The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Wonder Boy in the house, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, What's up brother? What's Dude, going on, man? Glad Thanks for coming be, in. Thank you, man. Appreciate you having me. Glad to be on with you. Long time coming. Should have had you I in know. a long time ago, but it's I know. Just, you know, schedules, time, things. We had planned on it like last summer or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we, it was one of those things, but then obviously the COVID, the COVID, the, COVID, the, the COVID. Yeah, but dude, you're still rocking at the top of the food chain. It's amazing. I'm saying, I'm people. People are saying I'm too old. I'm 38. Well, look at your victory over Vicente Luque, and then look what Luque just did to Tyron Woodley. You're still at the top of the fucking food chain because that was real recently that you beat him. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was what a year. It was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I beat, I beat Vicente. But uh, yeah, man, people saying I'm 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 too old, and I guess once you get knocked out one time, you just they throw you to the side. That's people that don't understand the human chin. It's just like <laughs> it's just it's just a fact. You get hit with the perfect shot. There's... It wasn't even hard. It wasn't even hard. You know, I've been hit harder. Tyron hit me harder. Jake Ellenberger hit me harder. This was just right on the button. It's crazy, isn't it? To be honest with you, it was like it was like a, a relief being knocked out. I mean, I've got close to eighty something fights with kickboxing and MMA together, and I've never been knocked out. And it was always one of those. You know, Lee going into a fight. This is going to be it. Mm. This is this is going to be the time I get knocked out. This is always going through my head. And now that it happened, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. <laughs> I would rather get knocked out than get just the crap beat out of me for five five minute rounds. Have you ever been knocked out in training? No. So that was the only time ever in your whole only career you've been knocked ever. out. And it was a wild punch too. The fact yeah. that he caught you with a Superman punch. The, the memes after that were hilarious. Were, were I don't know if you saw it, but it was funny. You got to think, though, you've dished it out so many times. I know. You know, I through know. your kickboxing career and MMA. I mean, there's so many times you flatline people. And then, uh, yeah, I get I get knocked out by a guy in a, lot, in a lighter weight class. My dad, my family is pretty rough. They don't, they They bring it up as much as they can. <laughs> I was in the hospital <laughs> that night, and... Uh, my dad's doing it like a Facebook live thing because you know we had a bunch of pa- bunch of you know karate karate families and karate kids there. We pretty much sold out that arena, Greenville, South Carolina. Where I mean everybody was there to watch me fight, and then I get crushed or I get knocked out, and then uh, you know everybody's want to know how I am. So I did it like it was probably two a.m. Did a Facebook live, and my dad's just eating me alive, <laughs> eating me alive. I mean, yeah, I got knocked out. He's like, yeah, by a smaller guy too, and he just let me have it, but. Yeah, that's how he is. It is what it is. Yep. You, you know, know, you you took it really well in terms of like the way you reacted and social media and the way you reacted when you were asked about it. You know, well, showed poise. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, what what can you do? I mean, you can't just sit there and cry about it. No. You know. Uh, yeah, it, it bothered me for a while that you know why did I not see it coming? I normally see this stuff coming. Do you think you were relaxed when he hit you? Is that what it was? I think it was definitely a distance thing because when I when I, I had psychic, I watched it over and over and over again. I don't remember any of the second round. I don't remember any of it. All I remember is getting up off the stool, looking across the the cage, and I see in his bloody nose he's banged up, and I'm like, all right, time to time to pick it up. I'm going to finish him this round. This was going through my head. That's all I remember. And I got knocked out five seconds left in the second round. Wow. I don't remember anything. I don't remember sitting up, talking to him in the cage. The people say I was like high-fiving people as I was walking by. All I remember 
is like these sparkles kind of fade away and I see Chris Weidman's face right there. He's laughing at me. He's like smiling at me. And he said, if you ask me that again, I want to slap you. I guess I asked him the same question. I kept saying, you know, what happened? How did I get knocked out? I got knocked out. Just kept That's saying that That's what people do when again. they get knocked out. They, they ask the same question, what happened over and over again. It was such a weird thing. And then, you know, not remembering any of that. And then just being in the back. It's like I got teleported there. I was fighting mm. and then I was there. And I, I remember him helping me trying to answer the doctor's questions. They're like, you know what day it is? I'm like, uh, and Chris is like, Steven, come on. You know what day it is. He's like trying to help me out, answer these questions. But uh, that's all I remember, man, is, is that. But uh, it's, it was a relief. Like I have nothing. I mean, what else? I mean, that's like the worst thing that can happen. Why, why, why do you feel like it's a relief? Well, you know, it was such a worry. You know, I've, I've knocked out people. I've, I've seen how they are, you know, getting up off the canvas and the, the you know, what it's done to people psychologically getting knocked out. And that's always been kind of like, how would I handle that? Mm. You know, how would I handle that? How would, I, how would, you see people get knocked out and they, they try and come back, maybe as soon as possible, which is not a good thing. They it's should, a terrible thing. Yeah, they should give their time, you know, time for their body to heal up. But, um, you know, I've seen people do that. It was always a worry for me. How would I handle that? Yeah, I always get concerned when I see someone who gets knocked out. And they want to get right back in there. And I'm like, yeah. ooh, you're asking for trouble. Because you might feel fine, but you probably are a little loose. Yeah. It's funny you said that because they UFC wanted me a fight, wanted me to fight two months later in my hometown. Wow. And after the day after, was going to get some breakfast with some with some friends. Um still in Knoxville with the fam. And I get a call from um Dana, I think it was Hunter. Hey man, you still wanting to fight in Greenville, South Carolina? Of course the athlete and myself said yes. Like I wanted to jump back in there and Yeah. But then, you know, reality kicked in and you know, I look over at my pops, and he's like, the, he, I think he already knew who it was. He said that he, he just shook his head. Who was it that you were supposed to? Um, I don't think we had anybody. The UFC should have made it Anthony Pettis. Mm -hmm. It was only like two months later. It should have been Anthony Pettis in my hometown. But, um, and I didn't find out that the UFC was in Greenville. I found that out. Watching some fights like uh, so, you saying that before. the UFC should have made a rematch with Anthony Pettis, Not or you should have had that should have been when you fought Pettis. Yes, was in your hometown. Yes, yeah. we we would have sold that out. Yeah, my first MMA fight was in the arena the UFC was at, mm. um, the Bonsa Corwanas Arena, and it was standing room only. What organization was that for? It was a it was a uh, promotion called Fight Party. And a lot of UFC fighters came up. OSP was on my first card. It was really? crazy. OSP was fighting. Um, I think. Who else was on that card? Uh, both uh, Lima brothers were on that card. And it was my very first MMA fight in my hometown. And the main event, I think it was OSP, was main event. But his fighter ended up not making weight or something. That didn't happen. So they pushed me to to the main event. Main event. What year was this? This was 2010. Wow. 2010. And I was like, what? I had no wrestling. No, <laughs> I mean, blue belt barely blue belt probably in jujitsu and i'm like all right and i'm I'm fighting a wrestler and i'm knocking wow. him out in the second round and i almost threw up all in the ring that would have been twice that would have <laughs> happened to me twice because i had no idea how to cut weight i hadn't, it hadn't been 170 since 11th grade in high school what were you weighing when you were kickboxing uh i would actually fight up and wait i yeah. would i would weigh in with 
keys in my pocket, weights in my pocket. I fought at 185, fought at 195. I fought for the World Combat League. I would fight up in that, but nobody's grabbing a hold of you there. So yeah. you really didn't have to worry about the weight. And I was a lot faster than the guys that were, you know, heavier than me. So um, that was a that was a crazy experience. That World Combat League was an interesting situation. It was wild, right? Yeah, I I, I went to one of them. Uh, Which I, one? I'm trying to remember. I think it was in Atlantic City. I'm trying to remember where it was at. I might have been on that card. You might have been on that card. I think I fought a guy named Carlos Tierney. Carlos Tierney. I'm not. I don't remember if you were on that card or not. I definitely watched you fight on in those events, but I, I watched you a lot when Faraz Sahabi was talking well about you. I was like, let me check this dude out. And then I saw some of your kickboxing fights, and I saw you in the World Combat League, and I was like, oh shit. You, you, uh, when you got into the UFC, I got really excited because you represented a style that I had been talking about for a while. Because everybody was like, you know, for striking, it was Muay Thai, for submissions, it was Jiu Jitsu, and then there was wrestling. Like, that's yeah. like kind of everybody had this idea of like what was effective and what wasn't. And I was like, man, I'm telling you, if you, if you find a guy who really understands karate, who has that sideways stance and a really good front leg, he's going to fuck a lot of people up and they're not going to know what to do with it. And a lot of people like dismissed me. They're like, what are you talking about? They, they thought I was just that I was reminiscing about my traditional martial arts days. And yeah. I was like, no, I'm telling you, man, dudes with a good front leg, like that's a totally different animal to get in on. When a guy has that sideways stance and then when you are fighting like with your hands down and no one knew what to do and you lean back like a snake when guys are punching you <laughs> and you go forward, I'm like, that's a totally different style and it's a fucking really sneaky one. It's hard it, to handle. It is definitely a, a, a very difficult style to prepare for as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Well, try finding. I know. And it, you got like you, Raymond Daniels. There's like a couple guys out there that can, that can emulate that style. And it, I, I think it was because I remember in the early years, especially when Leo Tomachita was coming in. Mm -hmm. right? He's a traditional to what Kyokushin? Is it Kyokushin um, style? I Shotokan. Think so. I think it was Kyokushin. Shotokan. I think Shotokan. 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 Okay, yeah. I know. I know GSP was Shotokan as well. Yeah. That was kind of his background. I think. Background. Let's find out. What is uh, Leo Tomachita's original karate style? I want to say it's Shotokan. His dad was ja straight Japanese, right? He married yes. his mom, who was Brazilian. Yes. So. Um, and people think, didn't think karate worked. Karate was just a frou-frou style, McDojo style, um, you know, not geared toward real applications, you know? Yeah. And in the early UFCs, it was looked down upon, the mm -hmm. karate style. I guess because, I don't know, if Karate Kid, you know, <laughs> I think that era, the 80s, you know, a lot of people saw that karate can make them a lot of money. And so they were opening up those mm -hmm. McDojo schools yeah. left and right. And same with Taekwondo, same with Kung Fu. There was a lot of traditional martial arts that did have some real life applications and they got severely watered down yeah. because people didn't want to lose a lot of students. So they didn't want to make it really difficult for you to advance and to move up. And uh, even Shotokan. Shotokan. Yeah. Shotokan. yeah I didn't even notice that. Was 13. This wow. right here. That's, that's ridiculous. Wow. I love this. I need one of you. <laughs> There's only one I Jamie. Need one. I know it. I need. I need a Jamie. You'll you'll right. find some dude who pretends to be Jamie. And he'll be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, this style of this sideways stuff. Michael Venom Page is another really oh, interesting goodness. example. He's he awesome. he's super unusual because he was an elite 
well, as Raymond Daniels was as well. He was an elite point fighter. Yeah. And people were always like making fun of point fighting. I'm like, man, you never sparred one of those guys. Man. I fought in a few of those tournaments and fast. Oh my god, their whole thing was just jumping in and blitzing. Yeah. And even if it wasn't the most powerful or effective techniques, like you had to adjust to this new way of fighting yeah. because everybody else, like if you're a Muay Thai guy, you know, you're used to fighting in this rhythm and these guys are moving around and jumping and leaping forward. Get and, you flinching, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. And that's what, you know, and that's, I think that was the reason why. And, and of course the, the point fighting, you got schools yeah. that kind of gravitated, forgot, forget all the, the self-defense stuff. Let's just right. focus on the competition point tournaments yeah and then people think a real a real fight's going to be like that They're point turn point up. fighting is in real life application it's fairly dumb yeah. but there's real benefits to learning how to win at those things I agree. to learning how to blitz to learning how to like leap forward with strikes you shouldn't do it all the time but if you have that ability Use the it. thing is, like, when you see guys who have that ability and then they learn the other stuff like you did, they learn the wrestling, they learn submissions, then they become very dangerous because right. you have this whole range where they thrive in where most people are completely lost. Yeah. This range on the outside where you're standing there like that, doing a lot of this, throwing a lot of those front leg techniques. You see these guys like, shit, I got to get closer to them. You know, like that's a, that's crazy that they can't compete at a, a very specific range. And for 170, you're pretty tall and long, too. So you have this height and reach advantage as well. Yeah, the the, the, the street fighting thing, I, I, I agree with you because you YouTube street fights now and it's like 99.9 of them, 9% of them, they end up on the ground. They're, they're, 99, they're, but the ones where a guy can deliver a wheel kick in a street oh fight, God. holy shit. <laughs> oh, you seen that? I've seen a few of those. Oh, it's ridiculous. Crazy. Oh, I know. And everybody's just just going <laughs> crazy. Yeah, if someone pulls off like a real like movie martial arts technique in a street fight. And probably killed the guy because he hit his head on the pavement. I know, but, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. that's I'm, the scary I, thing. I told myself, like, if I ever in a street situation, you know, hopefully I'm never in one, but I'm like, hey, man, let's go to the grass. Yeah. Let's move over here to the grassy area just in case. Yeah. You know, but yeah, the point fighting thing. <laughs> the nicest street fighter <laughs> ever. Uh, uh, the NMF, I got to hold that. I got to hold that title. That's you know? so funny. Not only the nicest MMA fighter, the nicest street fighter. Dude, let me tell you, I was in some scuffles, you know, in, in high school. And I remember beating the crap out of this kid. And his mom rolls up, you know, to pick him up after school. This is right after school. And I, he was... My sister was just, she's a badass, man. My, my older sister, she fought kickboxing. She kicked my behind for years. I mean, I've seen her knock dudes out. My sister really? was, she married Carlos Machado. Right. And um, she fought kickboxing at, at, you know, amateur, never never went pro, but at a, at a very high level. And she just would just mess people up. And she had gotten a scuffle in school and just beat the crap out of some dude. So she was kind of on her last leg. And nobody messed with her. I mean, it, you know what she's like when you meet her. She's a very honest person, but she's not the nicest way. She doesn't. Right. She's just very straightforward. You know, if you look ugly, she's like you look ugly. She's the opposite of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's more like my dad. And um, but she was in some heated argument with this guy, and this guy comes up to do something. I kind of push my sister out of the way, and I hit this dude. I'm I'm walking over from a middle school. You know, the high school and middle school are right next to each other. So I would have to walk over and then get picked up from our from my parents. So I'm like seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. This kid's probably in 10th grade. And so I like sidekick this dude. He backs. I hit him right in the chest. I'm a lot smaller than him. And I know, Lindsay, if she gets in trouble, she's getting expelled. 
And um, my dad's a pretty rough dude. You don't want to get expelled living under his household, you know. And then uh, so I end up piecing him up, just just hit him with a three-piece combination, his lips bleeding. He's on the ground. And to be honest, I don't even know what I did. I don't even know how I did it. It was just like such a blur. I've never been in a that kind of situation before, maybe once or twice. That was it. And um, it was just like just like in a fight, you know, in a, in a fight – um, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. It's just reaction. So it's a lot of times I have to go back and watch the fight to remember exactly what I did during the fight. And his mom rolls up, and I'm sitting here helping this dude up. I pat him on the back, and I was like, good job, man. You know, that's what I said to him. Good job. And he said, thanks, and, like, walked off. And he's, like, wiping his lip off. You know, he's bleeding. His mom's looking at me. She drives off, but still. I'm like, why did I? Why did I, I help job? him up. Like, good job, dude. He said, good job. Oh, my God. Good job, Taking punches, yeah, to the, to the face, face. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this is getting around school. Of course, this middle school just beat you up, middle right. schooler. So yeah, man, I can't. I don't know. When did you start karate? Three years old. Wow. Mandatory. 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 Wow. My there was five of us. I've got two brothers and two sisters, and we started the martial arts as three. My dad started early seventies because of it's weird Elvis Presley. No shit. He was a huge Elvis fan. Wow, that's crazy. Because those yeah. videos, we've made fun of those videos of Elvis all pilled up doing karate. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Dude. They are some of the wildest videos because right? he's so clearly high out of his yeah. mind. Like, he's ba- like completely disassociated. Yeah. And he's like, hey, man. Hey, man. Grab your neck. Come here now. <laughs> you ever seen me walk hard? No. You haven't seen walk hard? No. It's like a look like at him. A, look at him. He's, that's when they they put the the fist to his neck and he pushes forward. The guys what? fall down. You never seen this? Oh, I've never seen this. This is actual oh, video. You need to watch these videos. Please pull up. I I on multiple occasions on this podcast have watched and made fun of Elvis on pills doing karate. <laughs> So it's a 50-minute video. So oh, okay. Oh, I, I can we watch it. A lot. No, no, I mean, you got a lot to do. Well, just, we could just keep it on for the entire 50 where? minutes and talk. This is on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Just so you know, there's like a lot of to watch. It. Elvis Presley, Gladiators Project, 1974. Hey. It's not hurting him because he's high. Meanwhile, he's got a, like a, a regular shirt on underneath. Look, <laughs> look at this collared shirt underneath hey, his gi. You remember the- Look at uh, how high he is. The, <laughs> <laughs> look you remember the Stars and Stripe gi? Yes, I do. He admitted that. Really? Elvis Presley invented that. Oh, no The stars shit. and stripe actual, like, gi. Look at these guys. I know. So he was, he was an Ed Parker student, right? Yes. Yep, yeah, Ed Parker. So, That's but Ken, this is, this Ken is so Poe. funny, man. What? With the fucking sh- He's got a regular shoe. Right now. He's talking about pulling out your neck. Look how high he is. What in the... <laughs> Look at you this. can see the passion he loved training with. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's on his neck. He's like, I can't believe Elvis wow. is rubbing my neck. Yeah, I know. Look at the dude. The dude I see, look at him. He's like blinking his eye. Oh, he's out of his fucking mind. Wow. He's probably on all. I mean, I don't know what kind of pills he's on back I've then. never seen this before in my life. Oh, my God. I've seen it a hundred times. Wow. And he was one of those. Look at that. Is that is that super? No, that's not. That's that super. Bill Wallace. Wallace. Yeah, it's Bill Wallace. Yeah, in the Stars and Stripe gi. Yeah, Bill Wallace is an interesting character too oh. because he shows what's possible Chuck. with just one leg. Dude. No, that's not Chuck Norris. No, no. But he shows it's possible because he had a fucked up knee. His right knee was fucked up, and he couldn't really throw kicks with it. So everything he did was with his left leg. Look how he lifts his leg up like that. Oh my god! Like it was nothing. Easy. I can't do that. 
Well, he he had incredible dexterity with that left leg because he only kicked with that leg. Yeah. So his hook kicks were off the chart. Like a lot of people would dismiss hook kicks. Even in Taekwondo, they would dismiss hook kicks. And I was a big Bill Wallace him. fan. I would watch him fight. I was love like, him. I'm telling you, man, that fucking guy throws. I think it's one of those things where you just have to learn how to do it. Yeah. And then you get the dexterity. And then eventually it becomes just like throwing a round kick or a side kick or anything else. That's what's so special about developing that front leg. Yeah. And you don't need a a lot of power to knock somebody out with her to do what she needed to do with to do some damage right yeah so that's why i love doing the front leg stuff yeah. but that is that is crazy front leg round kicks seem like they don't have anything to them nothing but the first time i ever knocked a guy out it was a front leg roundhouse kick. and i bet you it wasn't even as hard as you could it was it was weird it felt like i did barely hit him yeah it just, and it just, just shut right. off it's just it's fast, and yep. one of the things that I love that you do, it's the, and we were taught to do that too, is you you sneak things around the shoulders. Over the shoulders. Yeah, Over the so shoulders. you don't see it coming until it's right here. Oh shit, yep. bang, what, and then it's too late. Was it the, the first fight? Yes. The very, the very yeah. first fight. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I, I will fight with my hands down, and so I like to lure people in with my face. Mm -hmm. You know, I can hit you from there, but really they don't realize that, you know, everybody has a, a security, their own security force field, I would say, around them. And when you step, if, if I just plod in to that little security boundary you have, you get defensive. You start bringing your hands up, you're more aware. But if you stay to the outside of that, you know, they start to get more relaxed. Those mm -hmm. hands start to drop just a little bit, even if it's just a little bit. That's Because you can't be tense all the time. Right. And that's when I got you. Yeah. You know, because I can close that gap faster than you can. Right. Right. I can close that gap and people aren't used to that. People think it was funny because once that karate style started to get out there, started becoming more popular, especially in the full contact sports, because you're seeing Michael Page Venom and mm -hmm. you start seeing guys with those tendencies like you when you didn't see him as, at his last fight because he was doing more boxing. Um, but Conor McGregor, when he fought Jose Aldo, mm -hmm. just in those first few Minutes of that fight, you, he was moving like a karate guy, yep. sideways stance, in and Drew out. Drew a side movement, kick, yep. Drew out his his left hand and countered him. It mm -hmm. was beautiful. But the it takes it's nothing that you can do and learn right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I can't if I if I if I was doing MMA and then I go, all right, I want to try and you know do that distance management or get that karate style. You can't just go into any karate karate studio and learn that. It takes. A lot of time. A lot of time. A lot of time. I talked about uh, Taekwondo kicks to someone once. We we're, we're talking about this, about them implementing them in MMA. And I was like, you kind of can, but really you should start with that. Yeah. Like if you want to learn it, you kind of have to learn it when you're a kid. Yeah. And then, then you develop that crazy Bill Wallace type dexterity. And then once you do that, then learn takedown defense. Then learn a little bit of wrestling. Then yeah. learn how to all the other shit. It's it's so hard when you're if you start right with MMA, you know, say if you're a 15 year old kid and you just go to an MMA academy, there is no way you're gonna kick like a guy who's been kicking his whole life. Yeah, you you need to learn how to do it like almost first. Yeah. It's, I think like there's a lot of arguments about what you should learn first, but I think there's a real good argument for young kids to learn either karate or some kicking based style real young because when they spar they don't really hurt each other yeah. and then they get used to doing it so you get used to sparring like i love watching little kids spar man because they need, can't hit each they hit each other but they don't hurt each other we we do full-on mma sparring wow. in our schools yeah kicking punching you know obviously in in the, the when they're in the beginning when they first get their 
their sparring gear. You're doing more sparring drills than anything, learning how to block. Uh, block. But they, you know, they got you got to take them through this conditioning process. A lot of schools out there don't even allow contact. Yeah, I think it's crap. But it's also there's a thing with the style that you do that you almost you're not going to do it that way if you could do everything else from the beginning. You're going to work, you get hit a couple of times, you're going to try to take somebody down. You know, you're going to try to do something different. Like, even like your your style originally, you didn't really leg kick. Like, mm-hmm. when did you start leg kicking? I did. Pull this thing up to like, keep it like close to your Sorry face. Sorry about there that. You go. No worries. When um, did you start leg kicking? I started, I had my last fight, my last kickboxing fight before I wanted to go MMA, it was a leg kick fight. It was a Muay Thai fight. So that was your first one. My very first one. So you had like fifty six above the waist or below uh, above the waist. Above the waist. And then one Muay Thai style. Which it can kind of go both ways. I figure like now that I go back to the above the waist, it's so hard. It's right. so much harder. Right, because you can't you, kick the legs. Yeah, you can't. You, yeah, yeah. Well, you're not getting kicked, but then you only have this small area that you have to find, an you know a spot to kick or find an opening when you can create that by just kicking somebody in the leg. Mm-hmm. And it was so difficult. Um, but that was my first experience of full contact, like, to the legs. Like, uh, our Kempo style, um, we go at it, man. It's My dad's just really old school. And uh, I remember in the, in the earlier days, if you didn't have the natural ability to do the martial arts, he ran you off. Really? Oh, yeah. It was that early 80s. He was very hardcore. He didn't let you learn? Um, he j- I don't think he wanted, he wanted it, the easier... For him to teach you something, those are the kind of people he wanted around. He didn't want to spend a whole lot of time <laughs> trying to, trying to. And this is what I got. He right. may have something different, but this is kind of you know living in the dojo is what I kind of come mm-hmm. up with, you know. And people didn't last long. He was drill. So he grew up in a military school, pretty much. His dad was pretty rough. Put him in military school. His dad owned bars and brothels, man, in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh wow! And uh, high school, put him in military school. That's when he fell in love with the martial arts, and then when he when he was eighteen, he moved his, he moved out. It's so crazy that Elvis is what inspired Elvis. him. <laughs> he loved his he loved his uh, western movies, and he did really? like yeah, he loved them. Man, his mom was a huge Elvis fan. Says so you know I can't sing like the guy, can't dance like the guy. I want to try this karate thing. <laughs> so he had his first fight at the uh, it was in, it was in uh, Charlotte. Um, I forgot which arena it was, but in 1977, I think it was, 1977, he had his first kickboxing fight. Wow. And then he fought, uh, went over in France, he fought for, for the USA team, he fought in Greenville, South Carolina, the baddest man in Greenville is what it was called. It was no holds bar. Really? Yeah, with boxing gloves on. You can take him down, no weight class. Submissions? Um, yeah, If I mean, if you knew them. Back in those days, I don't think anybody knew submissions. But boxing gloves. Boxing gloves. We how got a, I got how a heavy were the gloves? I don't know. They're probably eight ounces. Eight, twelve, eight, eight ounces. Hmm. But I mean, this is how crazy it was. You had a guy, you know, um, you had a black guy come out into the ring with a Confederate flag. You know what? It was wild. He fought. <laughs> he had to fight that guy. He had to fight a guy who was three hundred pounds. We got a picture of him. Literally with the, his opponent on the ground, and my dad's up in the air getting ready to stomp this dude's head. I'm like, you didn't realize that you could kill the guy? He was like, nah, I, I had to pay rent. Man, I had to win this thing. Wow. I had to pay rent. Yeah. He fought him that thing twice before they wouldn't let him, they wouldn't let him compete anymore. Really? They yeah. kicked him out? Yeah. And then 
What did they say? You're too good? I I don't think they said you were too good. Gotta stop stomping people? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But then I think the promotion changed hands and it became uh, the Tough Man Contest. There was an event in Hawaii back in the 70s. I believe that was one of the very first uh, no-holds-barred events that Benny Urquidez competed in. Benny Urquidez, yeah. He was a beast. Yeah. Benny the Jet was a Benny the Bad man, dude. I, I heard the craziest story about him, and this was when I was in the competing in the Walker World Championships, which was like our kickboxing Olympics, right? It's held in a different country every two years. We got some kids that point fight, they're switching over to MMA. You think that I've got a lead leg man and it can cover, cover some, some distance? These kids, 17 years old or 18 years old, his brother's 21, Blake and um, Blake Spence, Trent Spence, these kids are fast boy they kick me in the face on a reg <laughs> and on the regular but they're they've competed all over the world since they were kids you know that's what the what they put they they're getting ready for the walker world championship they're supposed to be in moscow or something this year but uh got to hang out with um bill superfoot wallace and he told me this crazy story about being the jet he was asked to fight a guy the guy's name was muay thai his name was Muay Thai. That was the style. <laughs> he oh. thought. He thought. He thought it was the guy's it was, name. Yeah, that was the guy's right. name. It was in Thailand, and I don't know how true this story is. Maybe he was just blowing smoke. But Benny the Jet was undefeated, and he was fighting this guy named Muay Thai. And he goes out in the first round. It was him. Chuck Norris was there. I think Joe Lewis was there. You know, big heavyweight Joe Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and. He was losing the fight. The guy kept kicking him in the legs, kicking him in the legs. So what these three guys did, and this is what's so freaking cool, they started a fight in the crowd that went, just got nuts that they had to cancel the fight. They were throwing chairs they like, in the to, ring to try to just stop to, Benny from, from losing. losing. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Yeah. I think I've seen a video of something like that. I definitely have seen videos of Benny fighting like leg kick style yeah i think after this fight he ended up doing more muay thai stuff but he would wear he would still wear the pants the karate pants well i'm sure you've seen the rick rufus fight where rick rufus fought that champion from thailand yeah and he hurt him in the first round with punches but then the guy just kept chopping at his legs chopping at his legs and eventually they literally had to carry him out of there he couldn't walk yeah there's something else about those thai guys man. and also back then nobody understood the effectiveness of leg kicks yeah and Rick Rufus was a bad motherfucker yeah, back was. then. Yeah, I mean, he was so good. Oh, okay. and, and he had the guy really hurt. He dropped him in the first round, had him in real trouble. But the dude got up. See if you can, they call it, it's on YouTube, the fight that changed kickboxing forever. That's the, the It was like the it. American kickboxer versus mm-hmm. the Thai, Muay and Thai style. People just did not understand the effectiveness. They didn't understand how vulnerable the legs are yeah. when you get a guy who's a tie who really knows how to slam those shins because back then all the guys were kicking with their insteps yeah they're either hitting you with the heel or the instep either yeah. they're hitting you with hook kicks and wheel kicks and side kicks or they're hitting you with roundhouse kicks with the instep but the ties had figured out a long time ago that the thousand shin, years ago it's quick how, thousands isn't it crazy that oh they, my gosh here That's it is th- so here's the fight and so this dude had a complete wow. traditional look. He's a low calf kick. Wow. Way back in the and day. He's, and he's is, still wearing the karate boots. Like, oh, what yeah, the? man. He had the karate boots, Ooh. and that dude is barefoot. But Rick had him hurt, yeah. and he hit him with some wild shit. 
Because, you know, the guy had never seen anybody that could throw the kind of techniques that Rick could throw. Look I mean, at the, he would look throw at the that. calves on that guy. I know. Something about ties, Jacked. man. You watch those guys, their calves are just ridiculous. Look at him. He hit him again in the legs. Look at him just plodding just, down. Just and just Rick doesn't it. know what to do. He, he doesn't know how to check it. Ugh. Look at that beautiful jump spinning back kick. And he dropped the dude with a punch. But he just keeps getting lit up with these kicks. And after a while, his legs just became useless. There Ooh, it is. There it is. So it he, was like a. Yeah. That was sick. Yeah, I threw him a kick and then the punch right behind it. He threw a left round kick and then right behind it he lands a perfect punch. And it's got the guy really fucked up. Guy drops his mouthpiece. He's in real trouble. And Rick swarms on him. But the dude knows how to survive. Look, oh, he drops him again. again. Almost kicked him in the face when he was down, too. Look at the stare down there. <laughs> Get so up. Rick is, you know, he's out for blood. But this yeah. dude probably been fighting since he was five yeah you know though they have tie fights when they're really young yeah i've seen them actually on dirt surfaces like they just have mm -hmm. like people around them yep. and then they're fighting on dirt but then these leg oh. kicks started really taking their toll and eventually rick's legs are just chopped meat and this oh. dude is just attacking the legs like oh. look at this like right there that was it I mean, he's in fucking agony there. Oh, he gosh. gets up and he just gets punished even more. And at this point, the dude's going across the front of the legs. He's going to the back of the legs, like anything he can. And that's it. That was a wrap. He's just in agony. I'm wincing because I, I, I feel, I, you know, I feel for him. Like mm -hmm. I, I felt those kicks before, especially low calf. Yeah. I wonder if they're, is that allowed in Muay Thai? Kicking it is the allowed. calf? It is allowed. Yeah, it is allowed. But the thing about low calf kick in Muay Thai, first of all, the guy in the they don't have to worry about takedowns, right? So that front leg is very light. They're very yeah, light on the front leg, and they turn it on the outside. If you watch, there's a the Jimmy Rivera Pedro Munoz fight is a good example of how you can check that low calf kick if you plan on checking it mm -hmm. and you look for it regularly because Jimmy Rivera is so good at it and he hits it all the time. But in that fight. Pedro is is aware of it in advance, and Munoz checks it over and over and over again. But he keeps landing it on Jimmy, and he eventually like he won the battle of the low calf kick. Yeah, but it's such a punishing kick. Oh my goodness! I think it was the Vicente Luque. I took three of them, mm. and I don't know if it's it has to do with a lot with uh, those three kicks, or sometimes whenever I kick, I roll my hip over maybe a little too much, and I start hitting with the outside of my Calf, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. instead yeah. of the shin. Yeah. So that might that may be why sometimes I'm limping afterwards. Mm -hmm. But those low calf kicks are no joke. They're brutal. I hit Rory McDonald with lead leg low calf kicks in that fight, and he was limping afterward. He was like, he had to have somebody carry him, walk off with him. And that's early on in the calf kick game, yeah. right? Because really, Benson Henderson was the first guy I saw use it mm -hmm. really effectively and regularly. But then when you get into the fights being stopped with low calf kicks, you're like, wow, this is crazy. Like, guys literally can't walk. Yeah. And then the Conor McGregor fight was like, I mean, the, the whole world got to see that because even the casual MMA fan watched that fight and was like, that is crazy. I feel like 2019, 2020 was like the years of the low calf kick where yeah. it really started to become mainstream, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't have a lot of muscle there. It's bone on bone, you know, mm -hmm. and that that – group of muscle is such a, a function for you to move around. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, you hit that one or, you know, one or two times, good spot. And you saw with Sugar, was it O'Malley? Mm -hmm. Just shut him down. Just yeah, was that down. dead foot? Was yep. that what they call that? That happened also with uh, Cejudo when he fought Mighty Mouse. <sighs> Mighty Mouse kicked him, his leg went numb, and his, he's got that drop foot. But, drop foot, yeah, that's what they call but it. But Henry survived. He survived yeah. and he made it through. But it happened to Michael Chandler in Bellator. I saw that one. 
it's a crate. It's like those nerves are so exposed yeah. there. You, you hit get, that one spot. I thought mm-hmm. he broke his ankle, but it was just a dead It's really foot. like the button for the calf. Yeah. It's like the, the version of on the button for your chin. That's just kind of the same thing for a calf. And I think that's the, the beauty of that karate style as well. You're starting to see more and more people doing it, but switching sides. Mm-hmm. Sometimes switching sides can just do it for you. Well, you, you switch up quite a bit. And you, you're much more, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're more comfortable right leg forward with a front leg. With my front leg, yes, I do. I do throw with my left, but my po- yeah, I, lo- I love using my right leg. You're right-handed. Yeah, yeah, I'm right-handed. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I've, it's funny because I have you know little things here I like to do with my left leg, different kicks, different kicks I do with my right leg, mm-hmm. and it's uh, but sometimes preventing somebody from low calf kicking you. So if you had your left foot in front, like when I fought Vicente, I come out we're in a closed stance. I have my left foot. He had left foot. I can tell he was just trying to shut me down. Most everybody tries to do with my movement is just try and low calf kick me or mm-hmm. take my legs out. And all it takes for me to switch sides. They throw that one hard low calf kick, maybe the inside, and I check it. A lot of times they think twice about doing it because I, yeah. I do a lot. I, I spend a lot of time conditioning my shins, my feet, and that's just the old school. What do you do, my dad? Um, I start off, and I actually have a tutorial on this on my on my YouTube channel, and uh, it was one of my most popular videos. To be honest, I didn't think it was going to be that popular but everybody wants wants to know how to condition their shins but start off and this is something my dad has trained a lot of guys kickboxers world champions and um he had he told me you got to dense in the bone first most guys that are athletes their bones are pretty dense you know you're jumping you're running you get those little micro fractures and they heal back up so the bone becomes strong bone becomes dense i don't recommend doing this if you're just coming off of the couch and you 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 haven't played sports before because you can end up injuring yourself but just you know you get a muay thai bag and you know the lower part of the muay thai bag is harder than the than the rest everything kind of sinks down you spend a lot of time hitting that boom just over and over and over again you're taking a lot of punishment to that bone and the bone wants to the to beefen up then when you go from that you go to i have a maki Makiwari, Makiwara, yeah. yeah. So it's in our school. My dad's on that thing every day. You see my dad's my dad's hands. It's ridiculous. He used to punish us. He just slapped the top of our head. There you go. There you go. Um, there's the. Uh, you can go check that out. Find that. But yeah, there's that's the actual, actual Maki. But you see the tire, mm-hmm. and that's there to condition the skin, not just the bone, mm. because your skin's got to be. Um, Tough condition and tough yeah. because you don't know if you saw when Luke Rockhold was it during their Yo Romero fight he had split the skin from mm-hmm. checking a or kicking Yo Romero and it got Mercer or something in yeah it. he's it he's still bad. fucked up he really to, still do you see the fight that he had with Jan Bohovic yes he, wore, he had that thing wrapped up yeah he wore like a sleeve over his shin because yeah. he's had multiple skin grafts what yeah oh he's his shin's been fucked Golly. from that fight dude. Infections like MRSA, staph, that kind of shit, in a, in a cut and an open wound, you have to take care of that. Yeah. That is so dangerous. People die from that. That's wild. They had to pack. They probably had to pack it. You've I'm seen sure. that? Yeah. I can sit there For and the watch pus. that on YouTube all day. Yeah. Pulling, so pulling those stuff. Pull the, put that video back up again. So what I do please. is, I will condition the skin so that so that way those those splits don't happen, mm-hmm. right? And I've done this for years. Top of the foot. I'll go from the top of the foot, from my toes, all the way up to that knee knuckle on that top of the shin, mm-hmm. right below your knee. Um, and I'll do. As you start off, I, I tell people start off with doing ten, and you work your way up to doing fifty, and then doing a hundred. 
And you just do it? Do you do it? And it's like- not hard. Yeah, it's not hard. And I try and do it three times a week. Does it show what you're doing it there? I don't know if it does or not. Yeah, they're right there, Jimmy. And it's just tapping. <clears throat> so that's well, how you do it. Yep, just sit there, pop. And I do both of them. And, you know, obviously the, the more your skin and shin becomes more conditioned, you know, you can yeah. sink it in there a little bit. Now, did you, when you went to train from, when you went from uh, above the waist kickboxing to incorporating leg kicks, did you go to a Thai gym? Did you, what, no? No, sure just, didn't. Just jump right in? Jump right in. Did you think, I'm going to kick him in the legs too, or did you say, I'm just yes. going to do what I do? No, I, I knew that the, the legs were additional targets, so we really focused on that. We really focused on trying, I did, I did a lot of changes, man, yeah. from when I went from kickboxing to, and I learned that through training with GSP. I had fought on a card in Montreal. This is when I was in kickboxing. This is before I had torn every ligament in my left leg in the World Combat League, when I fought Raymond Daniels. You tore tore every ligament? Every ligament in my left leg. What happened? First 30 seconds of the first round, it was, of course, you were in that weird bowl, Mm -hmm. right? And it was, um, it wasn't canvas. And I believe it was first 30 seconds in the first round, I had fought Raymond, and uh, I guess they didn't clean up where somebody falling on their back at the fight before, there was some really some damp spots. And I knew Raymond Daniels, he liked to spin. I don't forgot which side forward it was, but he likes to spin off of, I think it might be his left foot in front, so he kicks with his right leg. And I think he was kind of in between switching, and I decided to blitz him then, right? I was trying to catch him when he switched. And then I had ran in. For some reason, um, I had slipped a little bit as I was coming in. He grabs me by the neck. And he pulls me to the side. So I step with my left foot. My leg went straight. Then he kind of pulls down. And I just kind of fold into my leg. And it just oh. collapsed inward. And that's all she wrote, man. It just Ooh. I could just feel it just collapse. Everything just gave way. I just felt every everything just break. Just And I'm sitting on the ground rolling. Here we go. Watch this. Right there. Boom. Right. You, oh, my goodness, oh, dude. My oh, God. my goodness. Oh, Woo. look at you. So... So that's so where I slip there. You throw in the he blitz. Pulls, he pulls to the left, and I step, and that's when it collapsed in. Oh, my God. It just went. I, I remember afterwards, I tried to stand up. That's where I slipped. Boom, I pull in. He stepped, pulls down. It was almost like this, I guess. Kind of uh, like, pulls yeah. me in. It was terrible. And then. Um, you have to get surgery? Yeah, multiple. Multiple surgeries? Multiple, I did how cadaver. Many, how many surgeries? Well, there was only one original surgery where they went in. They took 40% of my meniscus out. Oof. Uh, I did. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, Is that I've the had, same leg that Darren Till was uh, sidekicking you on? Yeah. That's, I tore my MCL during that fight in the first or second round. Wow. Yeah. Now, I, I th- actually, I showed it. Kind I kind of back up and shake it out a little bit. I was kind of pissed, but, mm. you know, it is what it is. And then I feel like, like. After that, I did cadaver tissue so they could beef up my ACL mm-hmm. as much as they can make it as thick as they want. And then, um, so doctor- what did they, they do with the um, Achilles tendon? Is that what they use for you? For um, the cadaver? I don't know. It was, I, it might have been Achilles, or I know they use patella mm-hmm. and they can, they can take as much as they want. Cause I know if, a, if they take your own, they can take a small portion, but the healing right. time is it's elongated. I did both. I did patella on my left leg and I so did cadaver on both? my right. Yeah. 
The right, they used uh, a Achilles tendon from a cadaver, and it was great. Yeah. That that was that one has never been a problem since. The left one was patella tendon graft, and it took a long time to heal. Wow. It took like, it took a full year before I felt confident with it. And then even then, like if I would uh, do anything where I had to get on one knee, yeah. it would hurt. It would hurt pretty bad. Even two knees, like even stretching, like still. You know, yeah, you know, no, not anymore. Now it's nothing. Now it feels like 100. percent Doesn't bother me at all. Wow. But like if I'm, uh, I'm, you know, the one where you uh, you get on your knees and you lean back. Yeah. Shit, it took forever before I could do that one. It was just so tight. Yeah, it's just, and yeah it, that's it how mine was. So bad to yep. be on your knees, like when your knees touch, because they have to take a piece of your bone off your kneecap and a piece of bone out of your shin, and they pull it out with the the piece of the patella, and they open you up like a fish and drill it in place. Have, have you seen those surgeries? I watched or it. knee. Rep- I watched my surgery because wow. I was hoping I would never gonna have to do surgery again. So I asked the doctor. I said, "Can I watch?" And he goes, well, I want to put you under. And I go, well, what can, is there a way where I could watch instead of you putting me under? He goes, well, I could give you an epidural, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> and he goes, well, so you did an yeah. epidural? Yeah, he goes, I don't, he goes, I don't want you to freak out. I go, I'm not going to freak out. I go, I want to see it. That's so awesome. The doctor was crazy. He let me. He goes, okay, that's, that's you're hardcore. fucking crazy. I'm crazy, too. Give me knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. The doctor, wow. I watched the surgery. Yeah. Next surgery, I'm watching it. It was I pretty know, weird. You can even do it. Yeah, it was pretty weird. But, you know, it, 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 took a, it took a while because five months in, that ligament dies, and then your body kind of regenerates it. Yeah, right? your it body reproliferates it. And then the doctor told me, five months in, your knee's going to feel great. Of course, me, before that, man, I felt like I could do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting there dunking. I can do – I've, I've got it where I can uh, – my dad's 6'2". I can jump over my dad, you know, just doing crazy – tricking, martial arts tricking and mm-hmm. – I do some of that if I, if I knock anybody out in the octagon, but that was that my first flip, that little corkscrew I did. I used to mm-hmm. do that all the time. I don't do that anymore. Just because it's not worth it's just the not risk. worth the risk. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's crazy because it looks cool, but yeah. if you fuck it, like when Michael Chandler knocked out Dan Hooker and then did that backflip, <laughs> I was like, bro, or don't even stop doing that. What's his name? He was doing like the body roll and he hurt yes, his shoulder. Johnny Walker. Yeah. He fucked his shoulder up. He was out for. He had to get surgery. Hadn't been the same since. He has a giant scar on his shoulder from that. Yeah. Yeah, I know he hasn't been the same since. Mm-mm. So it's like, you know, I didn't listen to him five months in, um, sparring, and I end up, my knee, it, it just kind of like moves over and back in. That's what happened. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Like this is where my knee bends. It just went, and then I was like, mess it up. I know I guarantee I messed it up. Right? Yeah. I tore it again, but I didn't. I had stretched it, but then I had tore more meniscus. Oh, Jesus. so they had to go back in, tighten everything up. They had they were they repaired my meniscus. <sighs> I'm talking six weeks couldn't put any weight on that leg. Right, it was straightened the whole time. It's crazy. I, I a lifetime to get your leg to where it is. Mm-hmm. Took six weeks for my thigh to be as big as my calf. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? it just, just that's what that, I was out for three years. Three years, which was kind of a blessing, to be honest with you, because I was fighting every all the time, and my dad's been there with me twenty four seven, seven days a week training, and I wanted to quit. I didn't want to fight anymore. Burnout. I was burnt, man, and I didn't know how to tell him. Didn't know how to tell him because he's your dad, and he's, he's scary, pops, man, and he's scary too. <laughs> and, and to be honest, you know, I I, I didn't. And he's always told me that. He's always like, man, if you don't want to do this, let me know. But I can always see, you know, there's something in his eyes. Like, he really, he wants me to do this. Of course. And then um, this happened, right? So 
in that time, those three years, I just when the doctor told me I would never do it again, that's when it was like for real for me. Like that's when that flame just arose in my in me that I'm doing this for screw that, dude. I'm doing this again. What are you talking about? You know, there's no way I'll probably never fight again. And uh he's done all my surgeries. It's funny because uh, I I look at him like See what Remember? I'm at? Yeah. Yeah. See what we I'm were at? just talking the other day about when I got my ACL reconstructed and then I had uh, meniscus damage. I had to get scoped out. They were like, you got to stop doing martial arts. And I, I was in my 20s. I was like, what are you talking about? This is my whole life. Yeah. This is my identity. I'm not stopping. Yeah. I'm like, are you fixing this? <laughs> you're fixing it, right? Then we're there going. There you go. I'm going back in. I don't know what you're saying. You're just talking nonsense. Yeah. Because I was looking at him with his belly and. Like yeah, come on. What do you pencil mean? arms? I'm like, shut your fucking hole. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna stop doing this. It was one of the reasons why I ended up injuring it again, because my physical therapy that I was doing was for normal people oh. who just walked to point A to point B. They're not. So my my quad was overdeveloped, my hamstring was weak, mm. and that was one of the causes of me injuring my knee so much. So that in that time, uh, before that injury, I fought in Montreal. Back to where we were getting to. Uh, I was fighting a guy, very tough kickboxer out of Montreal. And lo and behold, George St. Pierre and Faraz Zahabi was in my opponent's corner. And I ended up knocking that dude out in the fifth round. And then afterwards, was, I think it was kind of kind of wild. He comes up, GSP comes up, and Faraz, hey, man, we would love to bring you in for, you know, and, and his, his student was kind of over there just like this, you know. He was like, uh, we would love to bring you out for GSP's camps, you know, wow. help him out with the strike. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's Heck incredible. Yeah. What year was this? Oh man, two thousand. Um, shoot, seven, eight, six, seven, eight. So this is GSP at the top of yeah. the fucking food chain. Yeah, right. This was probably around like the Nick Diaz fight. And it was probably BJ before Penn. that. Really? Because I helped him for with uh, John Fitch, Tiago Alves, oh. Matt Sarah. Um, Shoot, I know there was more. But um was up there, and I that's when I knew. I was like, I, I kept getting taken down. Every time I blitzed this dude, just changed his level, run right into a level, a double leg. Ended up on my head. Mm. So I was like, I got to make some changes, man. I got I to gotta lower my stance. I, gotta, I can't blitz straight in. I got to angle off because mm -hmm. I'm running into these things. And that's when he was my inspiration to switch from kickboxing to MMA. Really? He was my inspiration. Yeah, man. I mean, he was, we became friends, man. It, and I was up there helping him out. And well, he was helping me out more than I was helping him out. You know, <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. I was just at all that I was up there training with this guy. He's so open-minded too. He's The awesome. fact that they did that, that you just knocked out their guy and they're like, hey man, can we train? <laughs> yeah. and that's so smart. It's so open-minded. And I think it was the style too. Like they know there was like something different about that. And maybe mm -hmm. I can, I don't know if I could, somehow figure that out then these other strikers like Tiago Alves was I don't know I don't well, know what you know, they were thinking George started out with Shotokan as well so because of that style like his, that was his original style that karate style and he always attributes that to his ability to take people down he said it's his karate blitz like the the blitz the ability mm -hmm. to close that distance quickly is what allowed him to get really good at double legs that's awesome makes like, sense right? it does 100% I mean especially the angles I I you never see me throw it in, in. You did in the earlier days. I mean, when I fought Nishan Burrell, you know, I out wrestled him 
outstruck him, but I was using a lot of wrestling. Chris Clements, I was doing a lot of wrestling. I was taking him down, but I think it was after the Sean Burrell fight. I was like, Joe Silva comes up and was like, Steven. He's like, just remember, it wasn't your wrestling that got you here. I'm like, that's all he said. I was like, yeah, got you. But, um, you know, it was the Matt Brown fight that I really, after that, I really wanted to show my wrestling because everybody thought I didn't have it. And I don't think it was the fact that I didn't have it. I was just done 30 seconds in the first round. I was the weight cut and everything killed me. And what was it about that fight? Because that was a weird fight for you. It was. It was different. I mean, I had just came off of knocking this dude out in the first round, got the bonus, you know, and it was like the week I got back, they were like, hey, man, you want to you fight this guy, Matt Brown, in a few months? I'm like, yeah, let's make it happen. I was like, why does that name sound familiar? And then I looked him up. I was like, dude, this dude's got some fights, man. He's He's been in the game for a while. But Matt you know, Brown just, is yeah, a fucking savage. savage. And he showed it. Man, this is crazy. I'll tell you in a second. But we rode back in the ambulance together after the fight because we beat each other up so bad. But I had hired a new strength and conditioning coach. And, you know, and I was doing a lot of heavy lifting. I was walking around about 215. Never got up above 200 pounds since then. Just muscled up. And I, and I, I had, you know, Nate Marquardt come down from my camp, and I felt great, you know. And realizing that everything was going great until I had to cut the weight. And you got up to 215? Yeah. Oh, my God. 210, 215. I think so at my heaviest, I was about 215. So you're cutting 40 pounds. Yeah. Killed 40 me. pounds. Killed me. Um, after that weight How cut. How far out did you start the cut? Man, uh, I think a little too late. Um, trying to come down. I mean, I was eating chicken. I hate chicken. I Until this day, I don't really like chicken <laughs> since then. <laughs> But um, I still felt explosive. I guess, you know, if you are naturally explosive, you're going to keep some of that, mm -hmm. even if you gain some muscle. Um, but uh, I just cut well, – I started – I think I, I don't remember when I started it, but I remember almost passing out a few times, you know, getting down to that weight. Um, and Did you check your weight before you got back into the octagon? Like when you fully rehydrated, how no, did you get? I didn't. I didn't check it. I I was up there for sure, but still, it was like, of course, that whole weight cutting process was still new to me, and I know for a fact we didn't rehydrate. Like my first fight, first fight ever, we went to a Longhorn Steakhouse. I had about a <laughs> gallon of sweet tea, like three baked potatoes, cheese fries. And I, even though I knocked the guy out in the second round, I almost vomited everywhere. And had that, so much food in you. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! But ju just just drinking sweet tea and not even <laughs> drinking water. You know what I'm saying? So well, a little bit of glucose is probably good for your muscles. Yeah, I think so, but but no water. I had zero yeah. water. It was it was wild, man. I don't know what we were thinking. That's crazy. But you it just wasn't free sweet tea and yeah, no water. Sweet tea. That's like the nectar <laughs> of the gods in South Carolina. Sweet tea, man. That's one thing I I have a hard time not drinking during fight camps. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, me, well, I, I keep a weight now that where I pretty much eat what I want up until about a week. What do you I stay at now? At my heaviest, one ninety five. Oh okay. One ninety five. That's a big difference. That twenty pound difference. Is and that's trying. That's yeah. just trying to trying to do it. You know. Is it because you don't lift weights as much anymore, or? I think the way that we do it. Do I have a after the tyrant fight? Good reason because the guy was strong as an ox. I had hired a uh, after that experience with Matt Brown. You know, um, I had uh, 
stop lifting weights. Like you're just kind of not going to do it anymore. Just going to stick with just you know bag work and trying to throw bodies around. You know that mm-hmm. just be my my. It, it worked for a while until Tyron, and I've just felt how powerful that dude was. I mean, he was just he was a different animal when I th- then. He was very smart in how he fought you too. I've always said that if you want to look at a good way to fight Wonder Boy, look at what Tyron did because he didn't care if people were booing. Yeah. He didn't care if people thought it was boring. He really was careful running into the buzzsaw. Real it, careful, staying on the outside. Not a lot of activity, but yeah. then when he did have activity, it was like super dangerous, explosive oh movements. Oh, my goodness. And he was. He was quick. Like, But but even since, since then, he kind of fought the same. I don't know if he just felt like that was the ultimate way of doing it because he, like after that, he just fought the same way. He just kept backing up, backing up. I think Tyron, I don't know. You know, I think Tyron... I think there's a certain number of years a guy can compete at the top of his range, you know, and everybody's different. Some yeah. guys like Randy Couture kept going, like <laughs> yeah, deep into kept... his forties was elite. And I think that was uh, like the, the style that he was fighting to, like mm-hmm. that Greco-Roman wrestling that he had, that experience. He can just tie dudes up, and he was yep. so good at it that he didn't take a whole lot of damage, maybe. Maybe. And he was just able to do that? I don't know what it is. It's like everybody's got their own amount. Yeah. Like, you know, like some guys are Toyotas, and they can mm-hmm. get 200,000 miles on them, and some guys are Jaguars, and 50,000 miles in, they're junk. Yeah. You know, it's not the Jaguars are junk. Sorry, Jaguars. <laughs> Bad example. Whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like some some cars are just Range Rover. How about that? They're just not go. They're not designed as durable. As yeah. they, don't, they don't last as long. And some guys can just, for whatever reason, look – and Bernard Hopkins fought at a world-class level until he was 50 years old. And a world-class level, like beat yeah. world champions up until in his late 40s. I'm trying Crazy. to be on that level. Crazy. I'm trying to be on that. That's well, ridiculous. Well, that guy was super, super disciplined, ate super clean, never got out of shape. Yeah. And, you know, just, and he fought so defensively responsible. Yeah. Like, you Very know, smart fighter. Oh, yeah. The just fight IQ is just really Never good. got in crazy wars. You know, like, as much as I love Marvin Hagler, yeah. I'm a giant Marvin Hagler fan. Like, to the day I die. When Marvin Hagler fought Tommy Hearns, he threw everything out the window and it's like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. Yeah. I don't give a shit. And he just waded into the, the fire. And Tommy was blasting it with big shots, even had him hurt in the first round. You would never see Bernard Hopkins fight like that, uh-uh. ever, ever. He would never be defensively irresponsible. He always fought like super technically and clever. That's why I think Izzy Adesanya so, is, is the way he is. He's very, when you walk out there and you see a guy, you know, getting ready to do battle with somebody, and you, and you see two different types of guys. You see the guy that's very jittery and very just like, just on edge all the time. And, mm-hmm. and you see somebody like Izzy or even Connor. Just there's, there's a calmness, there's an yep. eerie calmness about him. That's yep. a dangerous guy. Especially now, because Izzy's so guy. accustomed to being successful yeah. at the highest levels. I've had so many people go up and fight him. I'm like, no. No, <laughs> no, they, I mean, Chris Weidman throws me around like a rag doll. You know, it's funny because you got 170, you got 185, and, and 185 doesn't seem that big, but these dudes. It's big. These dudes it's a are big massive. Difference. And even, and, and Izzy, he's so long, and he's, he, he's a big dude too. I mean. He is big. He's, he doesn't look it, he looks like a bean pole. Yeah. But he's, he's big, he's just, I don't know, it's just, it's a different different weight throwing around at that level 
It's ridiculous, man. I would love to have a sparring, you know, go up there and spar with them. I think that would be a fun experience. But when I, you know, I got Chris Wyman grasping by my wrist, I feel like a three-year-old. Can't can't get away. <laughs> There's something about that wrestler strength. Golly. It's so uncomfortable. It is. But I, I, it's funny because I, I love it. I love being in that situation. I love being, and I had to learn to do that. I had to learn to be, a, to love to get accustomed to being, just having somebody just grinding you all the time. Didn't sound right, but you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got Chris Wyman yeah. just grinding me. Well, when you were, <laughs> the thing is, like, you were so dominant as a striker. That's, that shows tremendous character to be able to kind of start from the ground floor. I mean, obviously, every fight starts standing up, so you do have a big advantage there. But that advantage is, it's, it's diminished quite a bit by takedowns, by the threat of takedowns. By all these different aspects of MMA, and and even fighting in a cage is so much different. Oh yeah, and fighting in ropes or in fighting the World Combat League—that sort of bowl, that mm -hmm. bowl thing. Did you like that bowl thing? No, not at all. I mean, it looked cool. It looked cool. It looked like a uh, blood sport. Yeah, you know, uh, they're using it, that for the Boss Root and Karate League. Karate too. League, what yeah, is but it called? Uh, karate, combat karate Combat. Yeah. Karate Combat. It's got like a. Similar, got, very similar, but they have yeah. walls, so you're not falling off the stage. Right, right. Then right. it was, it was, you were like on that fine line when you got close to that thing, you could go off of it, and you got yeah. like a three foot drop. I've been fighting forever to have fights take place with no cage, and I'm like, if you can have a football field, and you wow. could have all these dudes run around playing football, there's no fence, there's no cage. And they're running full blast. These are giant super athletes. Yeah. You're telling me you can't have a fight in the middle of a football arena? How come Man. you can't have a, like basketball? Is another example. Basketball. You got all these players. These giant dudes, seven feet tall. They're running around. They're fine with this basketball floor. But we have to have everybody caged in because yeah. that cage is an artificial structure. Like yeah. it, it stops you from moving that way. You get pressed up against it. You, you can get up quicker from it. You can utilize it to hold people in place. There's a lot of weirdness to a cage. I it agree. also obstructs the view. It does. Wow, I didn't really think about that. It does, and you're better off just kind of like, you know, watching it at home. You yeah. get a better view at home. That's right. And you got the commentating on the grass, dude. Just how do how, it on how grass? You got my mind rolling right now, dude. <laughs> you can have more than one. Just more than one fights going on at once yeah like gladiators, but that's bro. like a gym where guys collide into each other and yeah. someone gets a blown out knee oh yes yeah, that's, that's how rashad evans lost uh the fight with uh john jones when uh where when rashad evans rather lost a fight with shogun he was sparring in the same ring as diego sanchez and diego sanchez collided with him and fucked up his knee so Rashad had to pull out of the fight with Shogun. John Jones steps in, takes oh. the fight. John Jones becomes the youngest ever light heavyweight champion, youngest ever UFC champion. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. And look at him now. He looks massive. Look at him now. He's so I feel big. like he is. I, feel, I, just, I don't think that's a good move. Can you get massive enough for Francis? That's the question. <sighs> yeah. Or. Do you want I to? I mean, do you want to? Right. Yeah, I don't care how much weight you put on to get up. This dude's been carrying that weight around his whole life. And it's natural. And That's he's explosive. Blood. Yeah. There's, I mean, you got some dudes that just, even I, I've sparred with guys smaller than me, but they just have some kind of power about them. I fought a, a pro box. I was up there training with GSP, and I, he was going over to the Howard's brothers up in, in Montreal. And there was a guy, Adonis, Adonis Creed. I, I don't remember his name. Adonis. He was a world champion. Adonis Stevenson? Boxer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was yeah. in the ring with him, and I know the one of the Howard's brothers, I think the oldest 
he was just happy a white boy can go up there and box. He's like, get up there and spar this guy. I didn't know who this guy was. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> you I, know. I was, yeah, right, yeah, sure, thumbs up. And I go out there, I'm sparring this guy. He's taking it easy on me. But, but, you know, whenever he would throw a punch, I felt it in my bones. Mm. I've never been hit like that. And the funny thing is, he's probably taking it easy on me. I mean, you could, there's something about a guy, and it doesn't make sense for these MMA fighters to go over to boxing. Hey, it's exciting, but still, to do that, it's just a diff. It's a different sport. It's yeah. a different, something different about it. It's very different. But I think the most interesting uh, crossover is Claressa Shields. Claressa, who is a two-time yes. Olympic gold medalist in boxing. Now she's fighting in MMA and she's still young, man. And she looks great. Ooh. Like she, she's crushing. I've seen her some of her, some of her photos, you know, mm -hmm. some of the videos she's putting yeah. out there. She's doing getting some work in. And for those sure. hands, you, you don't do want no that. part of those hands. And what weight? With little gloves. She's big. She in the so Olympics. Yeah, well, she's fifty-five. Oh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a weight above, really. Is she is she picked up by anybody yet? PFL, PFL, because the PFL picking up everybody. Yeah, right they're doing a, a good thing. They're 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 being very smart. You know, they're getting really good fighters. They got Rory. Now they got Showtime. Uh, Pettis yeah. is there. Uh, John Doomsday Howard is over there. They've got good fighters wow. over there. They have they have a good roster, and they're putting more and Kayla Harrison. And she is probably the most exciting female fighter outside of Claressa that's not in the UFC. And, you know, judo gold medalist, beast beast of an athlete. God. And uh, she'll, she'll probably wind up fighting Claressa. And that's – Claressa's got to – she needs a lot of time to mm. get to that because obviously you know what it's like – when when a real world class judo player grabs a hold of you, yep. like you just like oh my god! I remember I rolled with Carl Parisian when Carl was in his prime. It was like rolling with a chimp. <laughs> it was really like <laughs> just like you just get thrown around like what in the fuck? That's how that's what I heard it was like rolling with uh, Marcelo Garcia. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Just the the gorilla strength that guy has got. Just uh, he doesn't look it. Yeah. I heard he's just so strong. Ryan Hall told me it was just ridiculous. Well, his legs are so preposterously big. Yeah. And Marcelo was so good at utilizing his legs, like his X guard and his yeah. sweeps. And then when he would take your back, he would crush you with those legs. His Jeez. legs were like these crazy tree trunks. Big cast. I mean, yeah. he was short. So he's got yeah. like, he looked like the beast from X-Men. He looked like a champ. Yeah. Like a champ. Yeah. Yeah. And but, Ryan told me he's like, you know, I I look at Ryan, I like he's, you know, he's here, and he said Marce he said Marcel was just. Like, There's a few guys I've rolled with where you're just like, geez, Jake Shields is another one. Oh my god, crazy strong, ridiculous. Have you sparred? Have you rolled with Chris Weidman? No, I can only imagine. R Chris Weidman in his prime, like on his way up to the title, like when he smashed Leota Machida, like when he was smashing people. Chris Weidman was a monster. He competed in I think the Abu Dhabi, I think in a. Uh, for, Vitor Belfort, I'm thinking, not okay. Did he fight Lyoto? He did. Yes, five he did. fives. I was right. That was his. It was the fight right after the second uh, Anderson Silva. They fight. went the distance. Yeah, you a know what I was fight. actually thinking? I was thinking of him and Vitor Belfort because gotcha. he destroyed Vitor Belfort. Just, just crushed him. Yeah, but he uh, he competed in Abu Dhabi. I think a year of jujitsu, and I think he made it the. It was controversial. I think he was beating everybody, and he I forgot he was going up against. But he, but he ended up losing. Well, he was such a, such a powerful wrestler. Yeah. You know, I remember when he knocked out Munoz and when he was on his way up to the title. And, you know, he was just on another level. Like, And I remember Ray Longo saying, he, he like, after one of his fights, Ray Longo looked at me and goes, the kid's a motherfucker. <laughs> I'm telling you, that kid's a motherfucker. We, we call him the godfather. 
He because he looks just looks like a mafia guy. You right. Know? The way he talks. He's right. like he's such a character. I love him. He was in South Carolina not too long ago. Him and Matt Serra are my all time favorite corner love guys him. to listen to. The two of those guys together. <laughs> <laughs> characters they're so funny they are they're, they're awesome man. the two and of them together the energy they, yeah. they, they feed off of each oh, other oh yeah it's just that, that fucking guido energy yeah they're so they're so hilarious and they're both like super talented martial artists too they know what they're talking about but they have all this personality and flavor yeah i, I feel like I, all the, the whole team up there is like that well it's what a team i mean you think about like you have Henso Gracie. That academy has produced more elite grapplers, I think, than any other academy on earth. And still to this day, right? John Donaher comes out of there. Yep. The Donaher Death Squad is dominating Nogi competition. You know, you got Gordon Ryan, who's pretty much universally regarded as the best Nogi grappler of all time, right? He's only 26 years old, 25 years old. He comes out still, of there. Still, like he's yes. 25? Yes. How, pull up Gordon Ryan. I think Gordon's 25. At the most, I think he's 26. And his brother. His brother's nasty. Nicky Ryan, he's nasty. Eddie Cummings came out of there. 25. 25. 25. He hasn't lost in 39 bouts. In yeah. jiu-jitsu, that's crazy. And I, that's I, unheard of. I, I watched some of his, his like recent stuff, too, Like well, before the whole COVID thing, and it almost looks like he just roll so slow and like he's playing with these dudes. He's at such an advanced level. They don't take a single day off. I talked to Donaher about that because I'm trying to get them to move out here. Yeah. Because Donaher was- uh, They're in what, all, Cuba? They're in or Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico? Yeah, they're in Puerto Rico. Um, Donaher, they had this event out here, and then uh, afterwards we all went to dinner, and we were all hanging out, and Donaher was uh, telling me that he has people come over, and uh, you know they have these brutal training sessions. He's like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. He goes, tomorrow? You guys do this every day? He goes, every day. He goes, seven days a week? Seven days a week. He goes, what about Christmas? Fuck Christmas. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're there Christmas. They're there every day. They don't, I go, you don't believe in rest days? He goes, no. He goes, just train lighter. Active recovery. I'm like, wow. But you, look, the results speak for themselves. Yeah. I, but I, there's something with that because I train every day. Sometimes two to twice a day. Yeah? Still. Seven I days a week? Don't take a day. Well, a Sunday off. I take Sunday off. Church? That and... Just to filming. take a day off. Filming. Oh, for your YouTube channel. Yep. Have you always taken Sunday off? Um, always. Yeah. Just to kick back and just do nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I think you'd need a day of that. Nothing. But these guys are not, I mean, Don, but Donaher is a, he's a strange cat because he's a super genius. I, I've, I've, I met him through GSP. When I was going up there training with him, he was in GSP's corner. And, and through him is how I met Chris. So think about that combination. You got Weidman, Ray Longo, Matt Serra, Donaher, Henzo Gracie. You also have Faraz Zahabi, who I think is the best mind in MMA. I mean, talking to that yeah. guy about strategy and about training, and he's, without a doubt, one of the masterminds of the sport. You got GSP. You got the whole TriStar. Rory, did you say Rory? Rory. Oh, yeah. I mean, crazy. It's a crazy group of people That's that all came out of this one sort of uh, group of human yeah. beings. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. It's amazing affiliation. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, that affiliation of all those top schools together. Yeah, I would go up there, you know, with Chris, and sp I mean, that first sparring session was crazy. Yeah. You also he, have Gary Tonin, who's now yeah. killing it in 1FC, you know, and he's one of the most elite grapplers on the planet, too. He's a part of that group, what, too. What is he fighting at? 1FC. 1FC? Yeah. And what weight? I think he's, well, 55? you know, 1FC has no, they have a hydration thing. Yeah. Where they you, check you your hydration. That? You like that? I enough? like it a lot. I, I, it I like great. it a lot. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe in weight cutting. I think it's, I think, I think it's sanctioned cheating. That was, 
that was the big kicker for me too from going from kickboxing too. I didn't cut any weight. You know, mm. I'd go up a weight class. But when I had to learn how to do it, it took some time. It wasn't until probably the Whit- Whitaker fight really? that I finally found a, a good way of doing it. Really? Yeah. I, we were just winging it. We were asking people. So how did you learn how to do it? Weidman didn't show you how to do it? Um, it might have been. Okay, it might have been before. That's right, because I, I was with Weidman at that, at that fight. Maybe it was the Chris Clements fight. But no, I mean, we were asking, you know, G, it was actually GSP and Froz. They kind of, we, we called them and like, listen, man, we're dying here. What's, we, need, we need some help. <laughs> now, you and, never thought about, like, uh, getting a George Lockhart or someone like that to come and work with you? Not at the time. We Do you didn't. use someone like that now? Um, I used uh, Tyler Minton. Tyler Minton was it. I was using Perfecting Athletes for a while. The ladies were great, man. I loved them. But um, we ended up going with Tyler Minton. The dude is just, he's, it's funny. I'm fat. I mean, I'm having full on meals and still losing weight. Really? Oh, yeah. How are you doing that? What are you doing differently? So, you know, obviously, I, I think I think a lot helps with just being, coming into fight week lighter. You know, I, I, during fight camp, training through two or three times a day, I naturally get to 185 and I stay there up until the Tuesday um, before the fight. So UFC usually brings us in on Tuesday. I water load on, on Sunday, so I'll drink three gallons of water, which takes all day. Um, so I naturally get to 185. Halfway through camp, I stay there. The Sunday before fight week, I'll drink three gallons of water. Why, why on Sunday before fight week? Uh, that's when I, when I start my water load. I, I, no, I hate drinking water. I drink maybe sweet a half tea. a gallon. Sweet tea, man. <laughs> sweet tea. Or I got to flavor the water with something. I can't, I can't stand it. Do you, are you drinking distilled water when you're doing no, this with no. the water load? Just regular water? Regular water. Okay. And um, still taking vitamins and minerals because you can deplete yourself. Of right. that. I had a buddy of mine go through eight hours of body cramps, man, mm, cutting weight yeah. and not taking the you know, potassium and the, the magnesium and things mm-hmm. like that. So, And then after that, I, take a, I just saturate my body with water. I, I cut a half a gallon off each day. So we show up on Tuesday. Tyler Minton's there. He's got my three, three meals ready and little snacks in between, little butter balls. I don't know what is all of the ingredients. Like little little protein like little butter balls man with like um some kind of seasoning like on almond that side. butter or something? it's like maybe almond butter and some of them and he's got this one now it's like a chocolate flavor so mm. it if you have any kind of cravings it just gets rid of all those cravings mm. and i'll do like he'll make like uh chicken with with spaghetti or um zucchini spaghetti mm-hmm. spaghetti squash yeah spaghetti yeah. it's just phenomenal meals man i'm still losing weight really and i'll still work out once a day small portions regular portions um I, w- I mean, I wouldn't say you're average, maybe a b- little less than average, which... But enough. But enough, like- man. I feel great, yeah. And sometimes it's like, man, I, I shouldn't be feeling this full right now. I'm all right. Just trust the process. That's what he says. Mm. Just trust the process. And he's been great. So great. he's been doing this for MMA fighters for a long time? Or? For a while. Yeah? For a, for a long time. I think he started with uh, George Lockhart. I'm not sure. When I talked to Lockhart about it and he was explaining the science behind weight cutting, like, what? Wait a minute. Like, he's doing it based on, like, how much muscle mass you have and how much water they can draw out of your muscle mass and where you're at now versus where you need to be right before they drain you out. And he was explaining that the bigger your muscles are, the more water you can cut. Yeah. Which so like a guy like Yoel Romero. Or Tyron. Yeah, Tyron can cut a shitload of water. That's but I got to think that still is depleting you. And if yeah. you could just weigh what you weigh. I would agree. I, why I, is that not cheating? How, how come steroids are cheating but that's not cheating? Yeah. 
Like when you see a guy like um, you know fill in the blank for some 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 guy who cuts a shitload of weight, whoever it is, when they're weighing in at one seventy, but you know they're really one ninety five, two hundred by the time That's they cheating. get on the scale. It's crazy because yeah. you're not a one seventy, the one hundred and seventy pound champion of the world, bitch. You're not one seventy. <laughs> you were one seventy for ten minutes. Yeah, like you're not one seventy. I mean, I understand that everyone's doing it, and it's okay because everyone's doing it. But it's not healthy for the fighter. Yeah, it's it's completely lying to the general public. Yeah, you know, like when you see these guys, like some guys, they're cutting weight, and you look at them, you're like, "What are you doing to yourself?" Like T.J. Dillashaw, perfect example. Yeah, when he goes down to fight Henry Cejudo, he's walking around like a guy from The Walking Dead. Yeah, looks like he's like he looks like death, and he performed. I mean, I feel like you're not holding the amount of water you should too. Like it. I don't know if that was why he got knocked out. I mean, it was right on the button, but still, it's, it's like not you good feel, for your brain, right? It's Can't none be. of that's good for your brain. I mean, he was so fucked up before that fight, and he that's why clearly I, should have never gone down to one twenty-five. And that's one of the reasons why I walk around lighter. I just feel like I'm smarter. Not, it's, it's smarter. I feel so fast. I feel mm -hmm. I still I feel a lot faster. Even the guys are walking around a lot bigger. They're stronger, probably right off the bat, but. Um, You're healthier. Yeah. Like a lot of guys, their careers really flourished once they moved up in weight. You know, Masvidal's a good mm -hmm. example, right? Masvidal, Whitaker is a perfect example, right? At 170, he was struggling. He's a yeah. big fucking guy. God damn, he looked good against Kelvin. Bro. How good did he I'm look? Ready for, I'm ready for that fight. I'm ready for Ooh, the, the Adesanya I fight. If I saw, let's pretend the Adesanya fight never happened. And you saw him versus Kelvin, and you saw Stylebender versus Kelvin. You'd go, "Wow, Whitaker's want to win." That's a great fight. Yeah. I want to see that fight. I still wouldn't think. I mean, you know, it's hard. It's, it depends on what else you saw from Stylebender. Yeah. If you saw Stylebender versus uh, Boracina, yeah. then you'd go, oh, "Okay, okay," because okay. Paulo Costa looked like a destroyer, and Stylebender so lit him on fire and pissed on the ashes. Yeah. I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> That was crazy. That was. Uh, to, to call it like that and then to, to like say, I'm just going to pick this guy apart, make him look foolish. And he did. And he did. That's. And, and then it, dry humped him after we put him away. I don't know about that because that just kind of, <laughs> this is weird to me, but. I'm telling you, geez. man. I'm in. I'm in for the dry humping. <laughs> uh, whatever he does, I'm in. I, and I love the fact that he had the courage to go up and fight Bohovich. It's what it is. 205, you yeah. know. I mean, that was an interesting thing, right? Because when he fought Bohovich, he didn't even gain any weight. But he didn't get beat up? No. He didn't get beat up. He really didn't. But he did get dominated in the yeah. grappling exchanges, which pretty much shut out any talk of him ever fighting John Jones. Yeah, the size, yeah. I think, the, the strength at and, that and level. And also grappling tough. ability. Yeah. You know, the, the reality is when you have a big guy like Bohovich, Boh I would like to take Bohovich's bones and like bring them to a scientist. <laughs> Go, what the fuck is going on with this dude? Dense. Where is he from? Poland. So legendary Polish power. The Polish power. That motherfucker can punch. Ridiculous. You think Rude, about rock, rock hole when he fought Rock. Oh my God. One left hook. See, I, think, I think that's John Jones' mistake. He's doing the same thing Rockhold did when he moved up. Mm. Putting on Put on a lot of weight. A lot of weight. Yeah. And it will and slow you the fuck out. down. 100%. It'll slow you down. What's interesting about Bohovich is you watch John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. They go five hard rounds. A lot of people thought Reyes might have won yeah. the decision. John Jones clearly came on the championship rounds, pulled it out, and you go, okay, but close fight. You see Bohovich versus Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes is like, Nothing. what in the fuck is going on? Yeah. By the time the first round is over, he's got a giant foot on his rib cage. That body kick. Crazy power that guy has in everything. And then he clips him with one punch, and 
you see Dominic Reyes give out and he puts him away, like that guy can fucking punch in a weird way. Gotta have something. Yeah, like you said, just the size of him, the density of that guy. Weird he, he just power. looks like you couldn't pick him up. Yeah. You know? He's got crazy power. He's talking about fighting in Ghana. Blahovich? Blahovich. Blahovich says he wants to fight in Ghana. Woo! I, I, I would love that fight, actually. That's crazy. I would love to see that fight. But I wonder thing, if he would put weight on. I wonder how much he would weigh. I don't know. Because he's got to cut a little weight to get to 205. He's got to. But he's I mean, probably, he probably walks around. 220-ish? Yeah. Something like say. that, probably. Yeah. You think? He fights at 205. Yeah, 15 no. pounds. 15 pounds ain't shit for a big guy like that. Yeah. I think. I mean, maybe 200. I, I He's a big guy, he, man. Yeah, he's massive. And I he's mean, Chris, at his heaviest, dense. 225. Really? Yeah. Why did Chris fight 205 when he fought Dominic Reyes? I don't know. I, I Did he get tired of cutting weight, or what was that about? Possibly. I mean, he's had 25-something, 24 surgeries. Wow. He's got, 24? Yeah. He's got a titanium plate in his neck, right? Two, I think he's had two neck surgeries. He's got he's you know, knee surgeries, but the dude... Just looks. He's just a. He's an animal. Well, it's mental toughness. Yeah, I mean, I I feel if you wrestle at some point in your life, or especially doing as long as he have, Mm -hmm. that wrestling instills that mindset in you. Oh yeah. Well, you think about so many all-time greats, like we talked about Randy Couture before. Cain Velasquez. He's another example. A guy whose mind was stronger than his joints. Like his body just started giving out. His shoulders, his back, his knees. Everything started giving out. Yeah. But his mind was just impenetrable. I mean, when that mental toughness meets the actual physical limitations of your tissue, that's the problem. And that's, man, because I know, I know that, you know, my knees ache every now and then, but I mean, even that, it's like, you know, I get lower back problem every now and then, I feel like I'm about, I'm about to die. I can't imagine if your whole body Tw- feels He's like had that. 24 surgeries? Yeah. What else has he had? Knee surgeries. That he's got many knee surgeries? thumb, sir. He broke his thumb. I forgot right. which fight it was. He's got this scar that goes from here. All, I mean, it's just in the... That was a long time for him to heal from that oh, one, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. the guy, I mean, it's funny because he doesn't he doesn't move around like it does. Like, he's... He, you know, spent some time with me for this camp. He's fighting this weekend and just felt better than he ever has. Well, I talked to Aljamain Sterling before Sterling got his neck surgery because uh, I had heard that he was getting neck surgery and I've had bulging discs in my neck. So I called him up and I said, hey, tell me what you got going on. I was going to see if maybe I could send him to, because he was getting his neck surgery done in California. I said, why don't you talk to my doctor? Maybe they could do Regenikine on your neck and stem cells and maybe you could postpone it. But Apparently his disc was so fucked up that they just had to replace. He he had he was atrophying one of his arms. What? He was so pinched on this, and this was actually before the fight with uh, Piotr Jan. Wow. Um, and then when he got dumped on his head in that fight in yeah. the first round, and then he got kneed in the head that illegal mm. knee in the fourth round, he was fucked. And from then on, he said he lost all strength in one of his arms because um, the nerve was pinched, like he couldn't activate his tricep. It was pretty fucked up. That's what. Chris was complaining about that too, not be able to. He couldn't lift his arm above shoulder level. Yeah, and it was just. I mean, of course, they're both wrestlers, so I, I mean. And Aljamain to... talked to uh, Weidman. Okay, and that's one of the reasons why he got the disc done in his neck. Gotcha. Yeah. So they replace it. Yeah, they put a, a an articulating titanium disc in it. Go to uh, Aljamain Sterling's uh, Instagram, please. He's got uh, X rays of his neck where you can see this disc that's been screwed into his neck they go in through the front too they cut the front of your neck they 
push everything out of the way. They push the they just everything out. They and they cut go to the, back. the bad disc out. They pull it out and they put this fake disc in. Eddie Bravo has one as lower. Just back. easier access That's to it, right it I guess, there. going through going through the front. Yeah, Golly. I guess. So that is in Aljamain Sterling's neck now. Look at that. It's like a, a rubber, just a rubber mm-hmm. uh, sponge, I guess, in there. No, no, no. It's all titanium. The wow. whole thing is titanium. So it sits. That that thing on top sits in like a divot, and it articulates, and it's very strong. And it guys those t- those spikes that go through it, and they dig into the bone. So that has to anchor into the bone. So the tissue has to grow around those spikes, and then. Apparently he can do everything. He can get wow. guillotined. He can wrestle. He can do all kinds of shit. And like I said, Eddie Bravo has one in his lower back. I have uh, so many discs in my back that are like my my disc meat. The uh, the spongy part is starting to wow. get pushed away. I know the older you get yeah. too, but still, I mean, obviously it's when you're an athlete, more jiu-jitsu. than anything. Is that what happened with you? Yeah, it's just, just getting dumped it's on your head, getting all the above. Just all the years of like getting shoved into weird punched spots and kicked, and, and this happening. Yeah, and then you know you fight off guillotines, and then you get stacked in your guard, and then you know your back. So all it's called um, it's disc degeneration is what they call yeah. it. But uh, or stenosis, and what what's happening is all those discs are getting smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually they start rubbing on each other. Like there's nothing there. With Pat Militich, this is how tough Pat Militich is. He never got surgery, but his discs he had no more meat in between the bone, and the bones fused together on their own. So what? He can't. He can't even. Uh, look? He's like this. God, one of his arms wait. doesn't work right. Like Pat Militich, he, he just just didn't do anything about it. Just dealt with the pain. And his bones just fucking fuse in to get like a like a tree growing around a mailbox. <laughs> just <laughs> so I when, feel like just one day he, he just needs to go like ah, just to break <laughs> everything up. You know what I mean? I don't think he can anymore. I think it's fused together. But I think there was one fight that he was going to do when he was older. I think when he fought Henzo Gracie, I think that's who he fought. Um, but Pat. Someone had said that he had neck surgery and they wanted to make sure that he was still okay to fight after neck surgery He's like hey, I never had any fucking neck surgery like I didn't have neck surgery And, and so there was a rumor going on so he had to get a bunch of different MRIs oh, and wow. tests done So that they could determine whether or not he had had neck surgery just because his neck was so fucked up They just assumed that he had surgery because I, I think Boss Rudin had that surgery, and he can't. Yo, Boss is messed up bad. Golly. He has one arm that he calls baby arm because his, his nerves are so shut off that one of his arms had atrophied so small that it's like, it's like he has a, a regular arm for his left, his big-ass bicep, <sighs> and his right arm is like really small where he what? can't even hold up a gallon of milk. Stop it. Ba- Boss Rutan, one of the greatest fucking martial artists of all time. He picks up a, a bottle, a, like a jug of milk, and his arm is like... Rrr. I think it'd still kill you, though. He'd probably still fuck still you up. still just mess you up, bro. <laughs> his legs are fine. And not even closed hand, just open yeah. hand slap you. Open hand! Yeah. Because that's how they did it, right? They, they didn't... They didn't the and style Pancrace. Pancrace. It was but he all won the heavyweight hand. title, too, remember? Yeah. And, you know, fought in the UFC, knocked out Tioshi Kosaka. His neck was already fucked up by then. Because he had been, you know, sparring with Rico Rodriguez back when Rico was in his prime and doing a lot of jujitsu, and he actually fucked his neck up though on Sons of Anarchy, on the TV show. That's what? how. Yeah, yeah. He told me he was doing a stunt scene, and in a stunt scene, you know, you're you're doing this thing with this fake yeah. fight, and he falls on his head, and his neck gets fucking jacked, mm. and then he had to get his discs fused. 
So he had a bunch of discs fused in his neck, and apparently it impinged upon the nerves, and it became even worse. And he's had multiple surgeries. He had to go and get stem cells. He's he's Golly. gone and got yeah a bunch so, of different treatments to try to deal with it, and it's getting slowly better yeah. and stronger. But over years and years, like when Boss told me about this, it was four or five years ago. It's wow. still not nowhere near full strength. Golly, yeah, it's just you know. They're coming up with new stuff every day. It's just going before long where you can just replace something. Well, he could have done that, but that wasn't yeah. available for him back yeah. then. This artificial disc. The first guy that I ever heard of, is that Boss's Look neck? at that. Yeah. Oh, my like God. Like actual that's screws. Insane. That's insane. It's like actual like carpenter screws. So he has four discs that are screwed together. Yeah. Look. Look at that. How oh, my God. Like five discs. How nervous you got to be just to go in and do something like that. That is so crazy. He's got five discs screwed together. Wow. So his whole upper neck, neck is done. just fused. Like, look how they're... You see how those bottom ones? Yeah. There's no space in between the bones. Wow. They're all just smushed together. Uh. Fucking that's crazy. So uh, that's why when you see, like, a, a an older man, they start shrinking, and they start, like, yeah. their back. It's like that. That's what's going on. Like, you're losing all the space in your discs. Have you seen the... What is it? Like, the Y-straps? What's a wise drop? So it's like a chiropractic thing where they just take your neck and... Ah! Oh, and it, yeah. Have you seen that? I don't believe in <laughs> chiropractors. <laughs> I think chiropractors incorporate a lot of effective and legitimate physical yeah. therapy techniques. But the idea of like cracking your neck and all that's This is chiropractic. Ready? I just chiropracted my, my knuckles. My, your knuckles. It's just it's nonsense. It just looks like it feels so good, though. There it is. That yeah, thing, right here. It feels good, though, when they do that and they pop ah, your neck. Yeah. Oh. But that the, the way to do it, the real way to do it though, is decompression. Yeah. Like you could put it one of those down? chins. No, you could put one of those chin straps on, and it hangs on a door, like the the top of a door. Yeah. And then you can literally allow your own body weight to decompress Relax. your spine. I used to yeah. go to a. See, I went to a chiropractor, and this motherfucker for a year was telling because I had a bulging disc. I knew something was wrong. And it was like slowly getting worse and slowly getting worse. And I was still doing jujitsu. And he was like, he's like, no, it's a, you have like a muscle pull. I'm going to subjugate your C5 and they do this little back thing and twist you. You're good. You're good. And I was not good. It kept getting worse. <laughs> and this is how the guy told me that I didn't have a bulging disc. He pushed on the top of my head. He's like, does that hurt? I go, no. And he's like, then you don't have a bulging disc. But he's not a doctor. This is the thing. When they say doctor of chiropractic medicine, take a guess at how much time they spend in medical school. Zero you want, seconds. You want me to say like zero, zero seconds? Say, zero. zero. <laughs> not a, a second. <laughs> they didn't even walk in and then leave. They, they, they're not a doctor. The doctor of chiropractic medicine. Now, chiropractic medicine was invented by a guy who was a magnetic healer who came up with the idea of chiropractic science through a fucking seance. He was murdered by his son, who was a con man. Stop and his it. son took over the business. What? So the con man took over the In business? In the 1800s. Wow. So it's just one of those legacy things. It's been around for a long time. What? Yeah, there's no like, there's no real evidence that it I'm works. I'm sitting here watching this stuff on you. Man, that, that, that feels great. It looks like it, it feels, feels great. good. <laughs> it feels good when they pop it. But as far as it being able to heal you from things, yeah. no. There's... There's a lot of chiropractors, though, that are legit physical therapists, and they incorporate a lot of deep tissue massage and a lot of, like, real physical therapy techniques that do work. But the whole idea of chiropractic medicine when they first invented it was they're going to crack your back and fix blindness, fix leukemia. Yeah. If you go and listen, there's a great article called 
chiropractors are bullshit. And it's by this, what's that woman's name that wrote that article? She's been on the podcast. I'm sorry, I apologize to her right now. Just <laughs> my brain is like an overused hard drive. I don't have any space. But it's a great article because it details the whole history wow. of where chiropractors got started. Where the whole and a lot of chiropractors don't even know this. Like a lot of chiropractors, they go to chiropractic school yeah. and they think they're going to learn something that's really effective and works. And some of it's the placebo effect. Some of it is just it feels good, just just loosening muscles. Like you right. can break up tissue with your elbow. That's why rolfing is legit, right? You're breaking up fascia and scar tissue, and it allows people to move better, and it can help them heal. I love Yvette. getting those deep tissue massages. Yvette. Oh, Yvette. Oh, yeah. It's coming Jean to you. It's Tremont. coming to you. How do you say her last name? she French? No. Well, she's American, but... She's awesome. Yeah. And she's really funny too. And and there the article is great because the way she writes it, it's like it's very abusive and but and hilarious. <laughs> funny. But she, it's called Chiropractors are bullshit. Yeah. Like that's the the name of the article. And when I remember reading this article, I'm like, motherfucker. So anyway, I wound up going to a real this is before she said this. Right. I, I was having real I was like, I gotta go to a neck specialist. And I went to a neck specialist. There it is. That's the article. That's the, what, that's the article. Sorry. Yeah, how do you say that? Don Yvette Tremont, yeah, Yvette Dan Dan Tremont. Sorry, Yvette, but she's awesome. But that article is excellent. You shouldn't trust them with your spine or any other parts of your body. But just you should read that. It's a great article. So I I knew something was wrong. I just I felt like I was being bullshitted. And every time I'd go, it was like a hundred bucks. I was like, this is crazy. So then I went to a legit spine specialist he's yeah. like you have a bulging disc he's like here it is he shows me the mri he's like see how it's pushing against your nerve that's why you have elbow pain that's why your fingers are going numb he's like yeah well we can de use decompression therapy that'll help you and they, they put you in this harness and they you lie on a table Did you find some relief yeah in it like slowly decompressed but it was in santa monica and with traffic it was like yeah, yeah, a fucking hour and a half to get there it was, it was annoying so then you, i got they one wouldn't of let you things. take something home oh you got one i got one of those things okay. off of amazon you ever seen mm. those things? It sits on the top of a door. Dude, they're great. And you pull on it like this, click, 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 click. And it's like you're kind of hanging from it. And it just loosens your neck and decompresses. But wow. then I got Regenikine. And Regenikine is like an advanced form of platelet-rich plasma. And I knew that um, Peyton Manning had gone to Germany yeah. for that. And Kobe Bryant had did it. And Dana you White. You go out of state to do that. You used out to have to country. go to Germany. Germany. You used to have to go to Germany. Okay. But I got very fortunate is that as... When I was uh, dealing with my injury, they had set up a place in Santa Monica so you could go there. And I did that, and within two weeks, I had no pain. It's still there. It's lifestyle medicine. And this is legit. Like, this isn't nonsense. Like, I went and got an MRI afterwards. There's no more bulging disc. It relaxed, and it, it reduced. It's, it's what it is is they take your blood. They spin it in a centrifuge. We've talked about how this works before. I don't remember <laughs> the exact process of see if you pull up what Regenikine does. But shout out to my man, Dr. Ben Ruhi. He's taking care Dr. of me with a, a, a bunch of different, his name's Moshe Ben Ruhi. His, uh, he's taking care of me with a bunch of different injuries with Regenikine and then later on with biologics like stem cells wow. and stuff like that. But they healed my neck. Like all the problems in my neck went away. It took a while, but I did it smart. It took many months of no no yanking on my neck, no guillotines, no nothing, no craziness. And now I have zero problems with my really? neck. Really? Yeah. So did you, I mean, is this something you have to kind of keep going back and doing? You do if you injure it again. But one of the things that I also incorporated is a, um, a machine called the Iron Neck. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Thing? Yes. That's amazing. Really? That strengthened my neck 
tremendous. That's one thing I'm constantly doing. I got oh, this giraffe neck, right? Yeah. So every, everybody's wanting to just mm-hmm. guillotine. guillotine. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, I'll walk around the next two okay, weeks. Okay, so here it goes. How does is Dr. Peter Welling is the guy who uh, invented it. The tre- uh, treated regenikine serum ho- holds up to 10,000 times the normal concentration of anti-inflammatory protein. This protein known as interleukin-1 receptor antagonist uh, blocks the inflammation-causing counterpart interleukin-1. Dr. Christopher Evans, director of the Rehabilitation Medical Center, Medicine Center in uh, the Mayo Clinic, explained it this way. The bad interleukin, interleukin-1, combines with a specific receptor on the surface of the cell. The response to it, it docks there, and after that, all sorts of bad things happen. The good interleukin, continued Evans, is, inter- is the interleukin-1 receptor antagonist material. This blocks the cell's receptor. The cell doesn't see the interleukin-1 because it's blocked, and therefore bad things don't happen. Uh, it's the thought that the IL-1RA may also counteract the substances that lead to cartilage and issues breakdown and arthio, uh, tissue breakdown and uh, osteoarthritis. Wow. So it is. It says, does, is Regenikin effective? I can tell you it's effective. And he is the, and he is the founder. He's pretty much... Dr. Peter Welling is. Got you. And he's the guy that's in Germany, and most of these guys, like... Kobe Bryant, and even Dana White went over there for his tinnitus. He has tinnitus in his knee. But it's it's great for arthritis. It's great for people with uh, back issues, knee issues, disc issues, anything that involves inflammation. So for me, the disc and all the, the tightness and the inflammation, yeah. once I got the Regenikine treatment, it all relaxed, and wow. the disc tissue went back in. Seize. But doctors were telling me to get surgery. They were telling me that they could cut that piece of disc out, yeah. and then and this doctor, Doctor Ben Rue, he said, "Well, listen, let's try this first. Well, was this something I'm new? Pretty sure, at yeah. The time? So they fairly new, okay. Because a lot of these doctors, they study these techniques decades ago, right? And it's they're effective. They they, they can help you if they cut that cut that disc material out. Yeah. But that disc material is important. That's cushioning that keeps yeah. your your discs healthy. So through this technique, it reduced the, um, the, the, the inflammation in the area, and then the disc material went back in. Through, so through spinal decompression therapy and through Regenikine and then through this, this kind of therapy. They just inject it? Yeah. Wow. It's pretty gnarly. There's the images on my Instagram of me getting it in my back. I've had it done like five times. Wow. I've had it done in my mid-back, my lower back, my neck, just because it makes you feel great. In Germany? Every time? No, Santa Monica. Santa I did it all Monica. done in Santa Monica. Dang. Lifestyle medicine in Santa Monica. How uncomfortable is that needle going into your back? Was it in the muscle or was it actually in oh, the Oh, it's in the, the joint. fucking juice, baby. Stop it. Yeah, there's, that there's makes me images of it. Ah, stop, Yeah, we can man. see all these little needles in my back. There it is. That's what, what it looks like. Yeah. And who so, puts that in? He does. The doctor does. And then uh, they, they shoot it in there. So I had issues in the mid-back, my lower back, my neck. Ah. And after a while, I was like, every time shit was going wrong, I'd just go in there and get it done, and then yeah. it would feel better. Wow. And they do this from your own blood? or yes, just your own blood. Okay. Yeah. They just take your blood out. It's like a 10-hour process, and then you go back like the next day, and then they, they would do it. That's so I was awesome. trying to get Al Germain to look at that, but apparently he was so far gone. Even Dr. Benru, he was like, he really should get the surgery. I've, I just already made it a point, like, it's inevitable. In about 20 years, I'll probably need new knees, new hips. How are your hips? My hips are great. From kick it, really? No okay. problems at all. Sweet. Yeah, I've never had any problems with my hips. Yeah. I, I don't have any problems at all. I know my dad does a little bit, so yeah. I don't know if it's something that he had injured years ago or I don't know. Well, one of the things that I've incorporated recently, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I've talked about this guy so much. 
he's gonna there's people are gonna think I'm working with him, but this is knees <laughs> over or like in business with him. Knees over toes guy. Do you know who that guy is on Instagram? I've heard of him, yes. But he's got this whole protocol of strengthening your knees, strengthening your hip flexors, and strengthening all, like all of the connective tissue, everything that stabilizes your Those knee. Those joints. And it's made a giant difference for me in knee pain and just my knee feels stronger. It yeah. just feels stronger. And I've only been doing it a few months. Like wow. it hasn't been a long time, and so I'm I'm dedicated I, to it. I do it every week now. I still do my physical therapy that I've that I've been doing just to keep my knees strong because I know guys are going to try and take them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so. there's look when a guy like you, with your mobility is such a huge part of your game. They're gonna always gonna try to do that. You yeah. Know? But they can replace knees now, man. It's kind of yeah. crazy. They can knees resurface knees. That's a rough surgery. And you could, but you could throw kicks again, and you have no pain. It's just like these two crazy composite materials together that are on the surface of your knees. Yeah, man, you can run, you can throw kicks, you can do all kinds of shit. You get wow. heel hooked and you don't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd feel it in the you, ligaments, I guess, or the. I tendons. mean, what's the what's the uh, the law on having a new knee and fighting? You can have a new knee and fight, St really, yeah, just like you can have a new neck and fight. God. It's a lot of guys who have been. Chris has a, a titanium disc in his yeah. neck. And he's the one who told Aljamain. But I know um, guys, well, Braulio Estima was the first guy that I ever heard of, the jiu-jitsu guy. Braulio was the first guy I ever heard to get one in his neck. And he, has a, he had a bad bulging disc in his neck and won the worlds with it like wow. that. That's what a beast that dude is. Golly. And then- Those uh, dudes are just jacked. Yeah. You see some of those, yeah. They're all, by the end of, like, when they get in their 40s, and, and they're all, their backs are all fucked up. All of them. Everyone's like- 40s, Ugh. huh? They're all walking out Jeez. like this. Like, Ugh. Getting out of bed like this. The one, the, <laughs> the one time or any time I get injured, it's not sparring, not doing jujitsu. It's wrestling. Oh yeah, guys just snap. That's my the neck hardest. Just, That's I'm the hardest jacked, shit. Jacked man. It's a crazy just pick, sport. getting picked up and slammed. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that is the hardest sport there is. In terms of like physical output, mental toughness. Just listen to these kids at the NCAA is doing their interviews. Just hard. Did it's you see Jordan Burroughs versus Kyle Dake? Yes. Crazy. Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake's a monster. And that was his every time he's gone up against this dude, he's lost. Yep. And um I think he dry humped him, didn't he? Or teabagged him or something. <laughs> Did he? Yes. There was a yeah, there was a teabag moment. Well, it's because <laughs> Jordan was trying to take him down and Kyle's defending the takedown. And that's apparently a legitimate technique is to bob up and down the dude's neck. So he went to it in like well, he was Yeah, it's to like because it's fucking super uncomfortable for when you're driving in, this guy's like jumping up and down and squatting on your head. See if you can find that. As as fun Shout as Shout out it to is Jordan Burroughs because yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, he's, I know. he's awesome. Have you, you've had him on here. I've right? had him. He's a he's brilliant guy. Golly. Really, really interesting guy. And like, specimen. Yeah, Just look specimen. at him. So is Kyle Dake. There's also some great videos of Do Kyle Dake working out and doing like this really odd strength and conditioning routine that he does online with this guy who used to work with Jeremy Stevens. He uh, Google Kyle Dake. Fun we don't need to see the teabag. Respect, <laughs> respect to Jordan. No need to see the teabag. Google Kyle Dake. Um, what is it called? Functional patterns. That's Functional patterns. this is the guy's uh, workout. He's a really interesting uh, strength and conditioning coach. Look how shredded this dude. He lost some yeah. weight, man. So oh, um, I've seen this right here. Yeah, like so core development and mm -hmm. stuff. They do a lot of stuff like you know, real similar to a lot. Well, it's not as much plyometrics, but the idea yeah. is they're doing a lot of like weird movements that are applicable like a lot of big kettlebell swings and wow. jumps like see how he's doing these things where yeah. he's jumping and twisting 
it reminds me a little bit of some of the stuff that Nick Curson is doing and some of these other uh, like really innovative strength and conditioning trainers. Like, look at this shit. Wow. Like really wild stuff, right? Where he's doing these explosive movements off his back with a medicine ball, jumping up in the air, and then slamming that medicine ball down. Who is this guy? The guy's name is I'm trying to I remember his program called what's called functional patterns. Does it say his name? I remember that um Jeremy Stevens worked out with him and brought it up what on did the he podcast. Say? He did loved he like it. it. Yeah, he loved it. He loved the idea behind it and he said it was yeah. very very effective for him, very applicable for MMA training. How much strength and conditioning work do you do? Right now I'm doing uh twice a week. Twice a week. Twice a week. And what does it entail? Oh my goodness! Is is I go through different, different weeks. So as of right now, I'm I'm trying to get this guy has got me stronger, but not get any weight. Mm. Which is how which is that possible? I, exactly. I don't even know the science behind it. But there there are weeks where I'm doing like, um, um, where I am kind of bulking, right? And then I do a week where it's more cardio based, where I'm kind of I'm not really. I'm kind of shedding uh, that muscle down, mm-hmm. I guess. So I'm not, I'm not too big. Uh, a lot of cardio involved, a lot of body weight stuff. I don't do any Olympic lifts or anything like that. You're just begging for injury, yeah. you know, doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'm loving it, man. I, I can't believe the. And I found out about this guy through my buddy Carl Reed, who's one of, was one of our fighters. He's been on the Ultimate Contender Series a few times, but. And I saw how explosive this guy's gotten, how strong he's gotten. Even though he's a bigger guy, if I said 205, I kind of kind of see how fast and how explosive, how strong, and his cardio is on, still on point. He's like, yeah, I'm working with this guy, um, Ryan, uh, Josh Reynolds. Well, I said Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Reynolds. And I was like, oh, I got to try this guy out, you know, because the guy before that just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I was kind of doing my own thing, but I needed to get stronger if I was facing tiring again. It's hard when you find strength and conditioning coaches yeah. are like really good or really bad. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I, I remember this guy, we had this one strength and conditioning guy and he just had so many problems, man. He had me doing a lot of, a lot of Olympic stuff, had me doing a lot of uh, road work. And we had this guy over at the house. I think it was Thanksgiving or something like that because the guy's family wasn't in town or, or he had just moved down here. And the guy was just a nutball. He went through a whole bottle of my dad's crown. Oh, no. Oh, man. I'm talking like just crying. Oh, had, no. We got the whole family there, bro. Oh, no. And, and it was just like, all right, <laughs> uh, we need to do something. You know, I had to, we had to drive him home. Oh, no. Yeah. So oh, no. All the emotions has been built up. I don't know what it was. just came out that day. Oh, <laughs> oh <So>. no. <laughs> my man Josh is awesome. This guy is awesome, man. He's, he's, I've seen a lot of um, improvement working with him, especially when it comes to just just keeping my body healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm 38. I feel like I'm 25. That's amazing. Um, my movement, I feel like I'm getting better. Um Especially with my striking and uh, you know wrestling and jiu-jitsu, even though you don't see it a whole. Well, lot. you looked fantastic against Jeff Neal, and Jeff Neal's super talented. Man, that I, I getting this fight, I wanted somebody in the top five for the longest, obviously. But you know, it's funny because you know I was in their shoes at one point, and Johnny Hendricks gave me that opportunity. You know, I wasn't even ranked. I don't think when I faced John, maybe I, Dude, maybe I was that, number nine. That was one of my favorite fights of yours. Thank you, because you you were on fire in that fight. Uh, you were on fire, and that was like to me. That was like the perfect example of how difficult that style is yeah. to handle. And it was a lead, the preparing for him, and no disrespect to him, but it was obviously he had good wrestling. 
He had that one hitter quitter type power, but it was you've seen him fight once, you've seen him fight a hundred times. I feel, and I'm going to say this, no disrespect. I feel like that power went away when Usada showed up. I can, I can, yes, and I, and there's a, a lot of people I know. GSP had said something. He faced him in it when, you know, he was fighting for the title. There's you know, two different versions just of like, Johnny Hendricks. There's Johnny Hendricks before there was real testing. Yeah. And then there's later Johnny Hendricks. And it could easily be, given the benefit of the doubt, that he got burnt out. Yeah. I mean, Johnny had been wrestling since he was a kid, and he was a fucking monster when he was younger. I mean, he was a monster. When he's putting people away, he would knock guys out, and they would go flying. Remember when he knocked, who did, uh, he knocked Marvin uh, Campman? Yeah, yeah. One hit. Just bah! boom. And he went flying. Done. I'll John watch Fitch. that over and over on the over John, Fitch, John Fitch. Same yeah. thing. One Johnny Hendricks, at one point in time, was one of the fucking scariest guys in the sport. And he was just a monster, just yeah. a monster, crazy wrestler, super skilled, and then ridiculous one-punch knockout power. Yeah. But then... But there was no... But even then, like, he fought the exact same. Yeah. Like, Roy McDonald was very difficult to prepare for. He, that was... That was... Uh, that was my one of my favorite fights. Just because... Just the whole preparation. That's what makes it fun for me. I like to try and break guys down. And even there could be... Trying to adapt to a guy mid-fight, that's what makes it fun for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, breaking dudes, breaking guys down, um, uh, you know, trying to adapt to the, if they're made any changes mid-fight is fun, but he was difficult because he's good everywhere. Yeah. He's got great striking, good wrestling, and for some reason it was funny because I had a hunch he's going to try for some Imanari roles. Really? Yeah, I had a hunch, man. So, because, you know, I met Ryan Hall, out in Mar in Montreal, training at TriStar, and I know he was a he's a big fan of that, right? He does it all the time, and I've done some work with him, um, and he was actually neutral for that fight. He didn't train with any one of us, and then I watched a grappling match he had. It was like a pretty, it was a few months before the fight, I think, and he was going for him all the time. He's going for those heel hooks, and I was like. He's going to try and heal it. He's going to try and get me out there as quick as possible. He's going to try and make a statement because I know he was, that was his last fight on that contract. Mm. And uh, we worked it over and over and over again in the gym. And he went for it like several times, three or four times in, during the fight. But he just knew. He I knew, knew it was it. coming. I knew it was coming. When Ryan Hall pulled that off on BJ Penn, I was like, holy shit. Dude. And he does that in the gym all the time. He, you know, I see it all the time now. But it's he's gotten so good with his striking. I'm, I I'm know. Like, I'm like, yes, Ryan. He's a fascinating character. I love that guy. I really guy. want to talk to that guy. I want to get him in get here. Get him. He's a wizard. Have you, have you heard him on Lex Friedman's podcast? No, I haven't. It's excellent. Really? It's really good. Really Very intelligent guy. Super intelligent. Very maybe, intelligent. Maybe a little too smart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of the things, like, he'll sit there and explain stuff to me. And he's like, right? And I'm like... Huh? Yeah, okay. I just nod my head like I know. He's what one you... of those guys that's so smart. He blinks a lot when he's talking. Like his brain is going, <laughs> like going a thousand miles an hour, and he's like trying to water it down, like yeah. cool it and he's off. He's the perfect example of just. He looks like a nerd. Yeah, but he's right? an assassin. He, kill, he is. There's something sinister behind those eyes of Ryan's. <laughs> I'm serious. I've seen him. Yeah. I've seen him in just. Uh, I'm gonna kill you mode. I remember in Montreal. He was doing a. Uh, he was doing a seminar while he was there. And some young buck is out there. Just I don't know if he's just trying to embarrass him or what, but he was going hard. He was trying for that. He, he was trying to heel hook Ryan hard. I think he was coming from another gym, maybe. 
and I saw Ryan grab him by his head, grab him by his leg, and he had his knees in this guy's face, and he's just, just driving that knee in, and it was, I was just, I couldn't help but laugh, like wow. this, this dude, he doesn't look like it, he look, he's the sweetest guy ever, but he has got some sinister stuff behind his eyes. If you're going to compete in MMA in the you UFC, you must have at least a door that you can open to let the devil out. <laughs> It's, I don't know why. Like my dad, it, it ups, I think it upsets him. That you're so nice. That I'm just like this all the time. <laughs> you know, I walk out with a smile on my face. Yeah, I'll high but five you. When you were teeing off on Johnny Hendricks, there was some fucking evil in your eyes. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there's. People don't see it, but you know, I see at, it. Yeah, I'm smiling at you, but it's like a. The way you're landing combinations. I mean, you have to be vicious to do that. You know, yeah. there's there's no other way. It's funny because guys are like, man, you know, you're not as good anymore because you don't knock people out. I'm like, man. Who are you? You're fighting the top of what? the food chain. Yeah, there's levels to this thing. Like, Who says these, that to you? You get people say fans all the time. Uh, you know, these guys on social media. You, you should have done this. You should have done that. You can't read Come that on, shit. Man. Oh, I know. I do it, but I laugh at it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I'll even comment back. Just like, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate you. <laughs> thanks a lot. I'll keep that in mind next time. The Jeff Neal fight had to be particularly satisfying, though, because Jeff Neal was... He's a real destroyer. I mean, the way he knocked out Mike Perry, the way, oh, I mean, poof, he's so slick. Yeah. So intelligent in there. Like his, his knowing when to move and when not, like when, to, when the opening's there and his reads, so good. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why I liked, to prepare, I liked that fight and I love the Vicente Luque. Mm. These guys yeah. are hard to draw out of their they're hard to draw out. They're, they're, they they're keep they're so disciplined to their positioning. It's and for my style, that's my goal. Yeah, I, I want to draw you out. Right, you right, know, draw right. your counter out so I can counter that. Mm -hmm. You know, feints and these guys were on point all the time. And to find uh, those openings in that fight, you know, it was fun for was was I had a great time. I had a blast out there with it. But especially the Vicente fight. Number one, people th didn't think I had a chin anymore. Because I got knocked out by Anthony, it was the fight after, mm. and I remember getting headbutted in the first round. I couldn't see it on my left eye the whole first and second round, really, of that fight. And it what? was a headbutt. He was coming this way with a hook, and I was moving away. And then we boom, we just clash heads right on the temple, and I couldn't see. I, I was like, I got hit. I kind of like went like this, and it looked like he he didn't hit me with anything, you know. But it was uh, but a skull. But there were some flurries there. And uh, I couldn't see, man. I was, like, backing up. I was moving. And uh, I just had to stay calm, man, and, and try and find my shots. But then it was like I got in a flow state. And sometimes when you're, when you're out there, I try and find that flow state every time I step out in the, in the cage or even in sparring. I try and get in a flow state where I'm not thinking. It's more reaction, but it's just things feel right. My reactions are on point. Um, and uh, I, I just got there. It was, it was probably – the middle of the second round, I just found my range. I, found, I knew exactly when he was going to throw a punch. Mm. So, uh, uh, you know, the timing was right. And I had broken my hands in that fight, both of them. Really? Yeah, first round, I think. Really? Both of them? He's got the hardest head. Wow. I've hit. I've hit guys with half of what I hit him with, and they've gone down. I mean, you saw Tyron Woodley. He's one of the hardest hitters. He staggered him. And staggered he, how him. fast did he recover? Like that. Just blah. Yeah. And then he hit Tyron. Tyron couldn't recover. Yeah. But the dude, Tyron was too anxious. Yeah, it's like Tyron losing all those rounds in a, in a row. I mean, Tyron had lost every single round. I mean, imagine being Tyron. 
you go from being, in my opinion, still a race's last fights. He's one of the greatest welterweight champions yes. of all time. You know, beat you, beat Damian Maya, beat. He's just like knocked out Robbie Lawler for the title. <laughs> he was a killer, fucking yeah. killer. Tyron's a killer, and then loses every, every round. round. Usman smokes him, just just dominates him. Gilbert fucked him up. Colby fucked him up, and it's like. Jesus. I know. I was rooting for him for those fights too. Like every one of them. Because we, you know, when you share something like that and with somebody, it's it's almost like an intimate uh, experience when you have, mm. when you fight somebody and you're yeah. going through that experience with each other, even though you're fighting each other, it's like, yeah, I want this guy to win. Yeah. I want this guy to win. But the last one is like, I don't think he's going to win. That was the first time at his really? last three or four fights. You just felt like I just felt like he it just wasn't, wasn't there. Well, I felt like he had, you know, he brought Antonio McKee into his camp, who's really good at resurrecting guys. Dean Thomas is there, who knows him inside and out, and I know he trained real hard for that fight. And I felt like if 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 it if the bomb lands, he could still take yeah. people out, and he did hurt him at one point in time, but then he just got wild. Yeah, he, he got, got wild, clipped. and Luke just stayed poised and calm and found his spot. Vicente's got a uh, a check left hook like no other. Mm. He's got some great hooks, and he was hitting me. I had him hurt, and he was still throwing bombs. Well, he's, he's getting better too. Yes, that's the thing about Luke. And, yeah, and he's so he's so durable, yeah. so tough. That's the thing. Like I, I, after that fight, looking at him, I'm like bro, you know, I hit him with some shots, man, over and over and over again. He was like he had you know, he's bumps all on his head. I was like, man. How could you take that and still <laughs> and still have a good conversation with somebody? But he does. Yeah, his, I, he's I think tank. it literally has something to do with him having a big head. <laughs> he's got a he's got a big melon. Well, you think about guys like Mark Hunt, giant yeah. head, takes an incredible shot. God. You know, some of the best, like the guys that took shots better than anybody, have big heads. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, but Vicente is also just the the fact that he stays composed. It's his mind too. It's not just the size yeah. of his skull or the ability to take a shot. So disciplined. In yeah, there, in his there. mind. He, he's getting better too. He he just, and he's only his, thirty. Wow. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure Vicente Luque. Look up his. I'm 99 percent sure he's 30 years old. See, I think that's one of the reasons why everybody's like, all right. I don't know. Maybe the UFC's not betting on me or fans. 29. He's 29. He's 29. He's not Damn, even 30 yet. Not Come even on, 30. Man. That's crazy. I didn't get in the UFC till I was 28. Wow. Came in late, man. Ten years ago. Isn't yeah. that nuts? That's crazy. I remember, who was it? Eric Hawani called me a vet, and I kind of got low-key pissed because I was thinking he was calling me old. <laughs> He's like, no, you've just been in the game for a while. Because when I, I think of a vet, vet I think of somebody good. that's just old. You really? Know what I mean? Is that what you think? I think it's just like an old guy. Well, I call Kamaru Usman a vet. Yeah, I know. I mean, for sure, in the Gilbert Burns fight, that was veteran shit. Oh, when he just weathered that storm in that first round, like, and then by the end of the first round, was winning. Yeah. You know, and then got, fucked him up in the second. And his striking's getting better, man. Oh, my God, his much striking's better. striking's getting better. That fight this weekend is very interesting. Though. Very you know, interesting. I watched the first fight again the other day. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something, man. Maz Vidal was all over him in that first round. And that was last minute, correct? Mm -hmm. Six days notice. He stuffed, what, 11 of his takedowns, which is unheard of with Usman. Yeah, but more importantly, was not in condition. No. Was not prepared for a fight like that. Yeah. They offered it to him. He took it. He went there six days notice, and I'm, I mean, that first round he looked very good. He only yeah. won that one round. Yeah, that's one. That's what's important in the fight because Usman made adjustments. Another thing that's important to note is that Usman apparently had shattered his nose two weeks before that fight. Wow. Yeah. So his nose was fucked because after the fight, you know they they you know had him checked out. He's, he had a broken nose, mm -hmm. 
And he was like, my nose is already broken. Like, his nose was fucked up two weeks before the fight. Golly. Yeah. The thing about Usman, man, is that he, he, some people say he's boring, you know, boring fighter. I think he's great. I think he's a great. Wasn't boring that Gilbert Burns fight. Oh, no, he wasn't. I think he's great, man. He's, he presses the fight. He's got cardio for days. Mm -hmm. And a guy that looks, has that kind of physique. I know. It shouldn't have that kind of cardio. And he's got, he's just, I think he's great. I think he's got charisma, man. His, his striking's getting better. He freaking knocked out Colby Covington, TKO'd and broke his jaw. Mm -hmm. And that he beat Burns with a jab. Anybody who says he's boring is an idiot. You get poked in the eye. Just poke yourself in the eye. <laughs> I mean, you got to be an idiot to think that guy's boring. That's crazy. Look, he did what he had to do to win the Masvidal fight. Right. But if you take into consideration the fact that he had a broken nose going into the fight, and you take into consideration the fact that Masvidal is, you know, he's you game. fought him. He's, he's game. Good. He's game. And he's clever. And he's experienced. And he's a real vet. Yeah. And Masvidal's a, a real vet. That's a, that's a somebody that who you cannot break this guy's will in a fight. No. I've seen it. I, I've broken guys' wills in, in there in a fight. When a guy like that who comes out just as hard in the last round as he does in the first and still has got power and still is just just a savage, just want, just want to rip your head off. That's a scary dude. He's or you scary hit him, he just la he smiles at you. Yeah. And you normally when guys do that, they're hurt. Right. But this guy, you no. know, that's just he's just a G, man. He's slick. And I like him because he's he is who he is. He is he's who he is. He's not faking nobody. He's no. not trying to be somebody he's not. I love when he dresses like Tony Montana. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the... The, the whole suit the get up when He's, I talked to him here one of my favorite moments on the podcast with him here was when uh, I asked him I said well I go the question is uh, can Ben Askren get a hold of you he goes he can get a hold of these nuts <laughs> <laughs> dude that guy boy that's why I love I love that guy and it, it was funny I was in Singapore me and him both were there for, as guest fighters and that's when that's where we made that fight happen oh we had planned it out there he was wanting to work his way up and i had just lost the tyrant so the second time so i was like let's make it happen man and uh he's i think what's changed from him i wouldn't say so much his style but his mindset mm. yeah he talked about that the resurrection yeah well you know when it happened he went on a reality show do you know the story i i think so yeah and did it, was it the preparation or was it no he talked about that on this podcast too. He went on this reality show and it was a fucking nightmare. And he was <laughs> it was like in the jungle on this reality show. Like he had to like go into villages try to get food. It was fucked. It's crazy. It was a South American reality show. And apparently he was there for a long ass time wow. and he had no contact with the outside world. It was a disaster. Hated the show. But it gave him a lot of chance to think about his life, about where he was and then what his future is going to be. And realized that maybe some things had been holding him back. Yeah. And one thing that had been holding him back was he was trying not to lose versus trying to win. win. And that he was a little bit worried about his condition because maybe he didn't train enough. Maybe he didn't prepare correctly. And then he just decided, look, I'm going to fucking go for it. Yeah. So here he is. I mean, Masvidal's got to be your age, right? Yeah. He's probably 38. He's in the range. I think he's a little bit, he might be 36. a little bit younger. 36, something like that. What, one of the most popular guys in the UFC. Said he was going to do it. Mm -hmm. He's there. Yeah. Fight for the title twice. But just think about what he did after yeah. that. Think about his fight, like the Till. fight with Nate Diaz. Holy oh. shit. How the knockout of Darren Till? Yeah. The Darren Till knockout was fucking crazy. And he, him getting knocked down mm -hmm. early in that oh, fight. Yeah. He got knocked down. Comes back First with round. that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, and, and KO'd him in the most vicious fashion. 
And and the, the way he did it, too, where he set it up, that switch where he stepped in and throws yeah. the left hook. Well, he grabbed his front hand. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. Grabbed his front hand, pulls yep. it down, and hits it with a left. Yep, yep. That's what it oh, took so, it was so awesome. smooth. So Well, he's so clever. He's clever. That's like why. the knockout of Ben Askren. Like if people think, oh, he just ran at him and threw a flying knee. No, 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 no. <laughs> he went to the side. Yeah. And then he came out. Angle so, change, so, man, and he went at him. Also, so Askren has to follow him, which even more activates Askren's natural desire to grab you. Yeah. Right? He, I mean, he showed him planning for it. He and he went to he the side where Askren, Askren shoots. Yeah. I mean, he went to the side. And then, boom! The whole lead up to that. It was awesome. Oh my god! Him just incredible. Yeah, you know, just looking like a G, just freaking G, and then he steps off. And that photo runs. of him in midair landing that knee to Ben's face, jacked. You see his six oh, pack yeah. and everything. Angry look in his face. That's one of the classic all-time MMA photos. See if you can find that photo. And then him saying, "Was that necessary to hit him?" He's like, That's "Super necessary. necessary. It's super necessary. Yeah, super <laughs> necessary." Well, not only that, he he like as Ben is out cold after he punched he's him talking in the face, to him, punch, right? he's talking to him and slapping the table like I told you, bitch. Yeah. yeah, crazy. And what's good about him is that he can he can throw something like obviously. There it is. Wow. That's that one in the middle is the one I'm talking about. The one up. Yeah, look at that. That is a fucking classic the MMA photo. Up of in the ben middle, Askren. the middle of the fucking impact. Look at his face. Wow. He's so angry. Bam. I was there. I was oh, there too. You, <laughs> <laughs> I was there in case anyone after that fight, I went up and congratulated him. He's like, man. He's like, thank you, bro. I was like, we need to make this fight happen. We need to do it again. That was crazy yeah. shit. He became a superstar that night. Yeah, that's right. Been at the two two knockouts, crazy knockouts back to back. Yep. And, and now he has another chance at yeah. Usman with a full camp. And I'm I think super interested. On paper, it's like, all right, how do you choose against somebody who's been so dominant in the welterweight division? Usman. But then you get this guy out there who can just, out of nowhere, just do out of you know a thought in his head, mm-hmm. hit you with a spin, something or a flying knee, or he's so creative mm-hmm. and I'm he's intelligent. I would never count Usman out. I think Usman is one of the yeah. most, mentally, he's one of the strongest guys that I've ever seen compete. His mind, you just, you never see a weakness from him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, he's so strong. And when he dominated Tyron like that to win the belt, this is his first shot at the title. No nerves at all, just full dominance. Just went at him, just controlled him, smashed him, just beat him up. Almost tried to take him out at one point in time and emptied the gas tank and realized, like, Jesus, Tyron's still here. <laughs> like, we talked about it on the podcast, too. I'm like, how tired you were? He's like, bro, I was so tired. He didn't show it. He didn't, he didn't show, show it. it. I could see it a little bit, but I was right next to him. You yeah. know, I was right there watching it. I feel like, you know, it's like that because I see Chris do that. He tries to break people. Mm. That's his goal. He doesn't want to beat you. He wants to break you. Yeah, that's what it is. Cain Velasquez used to always do that to people. Break them. Break you. I don't yeah. care how tired I get. You're going to get tired first. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, when I spar with him, that's what he tries to do. He tries to break <laughs> you. I'm not let- The first time we sparred, I'm coming in one set. You know, he's looking at me at this 170-pound guy. He tells me the story all the time. You need to have this guy. He's, he's such a real funny guy. Chris and um, yeah, I think Roy McDonald was up there, and was low kicking Roy. Just, just I mean, he would send his sparring partners home, you know, pack their really? bags and just send them home. Yeah, so I'm in there, and he's just like, "What's this guy gonna teach me?" So he's literally trying to make me quit. Just 
rock. He was keeping a light to the head, but he was just ripping bodies to the, to, you know, ripping body shots, taking me down. And then he was like, you would get back up and you're bouncing just like you were in the first round as you did in the second. He was like, after that first, spar first sparring session, it was like, I'm gonna bring, I'm, I know I'm going to bring you back every time. So I was just trying not to get killed, obviously, you know, <laughs> smiling well, you, at him. Talk about going into the fire, right? Don't have a background in wrestling, and then you start training with a guy like Weidman. I mean, there's that, there's no middle ground there. Yeah, uh, You're just going from nothing to elite. To, to straight extreme. It was funny because it was Don John Danaher that, that hooked that up. Mm. He was there with GSP when I would go up and train with GSP. So he made that happen. He needed wow. somebody to uh, – and that's why I, I love this sport. I've trained with so many freaking awesome dudes. Uh, I was up there helping Rashad Evans get ready for Loto Machida. And, of course, you had Nate Marquardt there, GSP, Cowboy, uh, Brendan Shaw when he was training there. And I was just a kickboxer pretty much. You know, I wasn't even an MMA fighter. And then through him, you know, I was trained with Loto Machida, Anderson Silva, sparred with those guys, and I was – What was it like was, training with Anderson? Because when you trained with Anderson, he was in his prime, right? Yeah. He was, that was the coolest thing yeah. ever. I did a few rounds with him, and he would go from a karate style to a Muay Thai style to a, just kind of go back and forth. I'm talking about elite, man, elite. And I'm just like, at all. I, mean, I was afraid to even close the gap on the guy, because next thing you know, he fights like a karate guy, but then he's got you in the tie clinch, and you can't get out. I know, I know, you know, any way of getting out of a tie clinch didn't work. It was just one of those like, ah. <laughs> just to try and get out of it. I and mean, we hope he doesn't throw a knee at the same time. Well, you remember the Rich Franklin fight? Oh, yeah. He, he clamped a hold of Rich, and Rich just had no Couldn't answer. Get out. He had I, no answer. Nothing. Yeah. His forearms come down to here yeah. on me. And well, what his do technique, I do? though, it's so sharp. Beautiful. So beautiful. And he wasn't the fastest guy, but there was no telegraph. Mm. It was very, he had very little telegraph. It was just there. Mm. No, I'm going to, you know, a lot of guys do that. A lot of MMA fighters. You know, they have, you can you can find their tells, right? Anderson was one of those guys he didn't have. When he front kicked. Vitor in the face. No tell. No Boom, tell. It was there. Well, and he was looking down when he did yeah. it, too. Like, he was looking like he was going to kick him in the stomach. <laughs> and then it went right up to the chin. And, that, you know, I had had a conversation with Eddie Bravo before that. There's actually a video of it where I had one of those Bob dummies, those sentry dummies, and he's talking about front kicks. He's like, would you ever throw a front kick to the face? I'm like, nah, I don't think so. It's like the timing would have to be perfect. Yeah. And then once Anderson did it, everybody everybody's started throwing front, front kicks to the face. Yeah. Right at the, I just feel like you could be caught so easy. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like it. It seems like it, right? But when Anderson did it, it was just so picture perfect. And then Leoto did it too. Yep. Couture. Randy jumping Steve front Rimmer's kick. Tooth went flying yep. out. Yeah. It's like a flying karate. It was like the perfect karate thing ever. It was crazy. It's like a yeah. A spar with with Leoto, which was cool. It was pretty intimidating because I kept hitting him with a side kick and he's more traditional so more round kick roundhouse kick front kicks mm -hmm. no not a whole lot of angle things and I was kept side kicking him and I could tell I was getting frustrated with it so afterwards I showed him you know just a few things you know scoop and move and you know get around the side kick so the next time we sparred I knew he knew he knew how to get around the side kicks I just showed him so I let him I was thought I saw the one side kicks I let him work it a little bit you know I was while we were sparring, and then I faked the hook kick. I hit him with a hook kick, and he got mad. And next thing, it was a stand-up match only, but he tossed me. <laughs> he grabbed me and just went, yeah. Oh, he, he really? apologized after, but he's like, I'm sorry, man. I was like, oh, I didn't mean to. Wow. I, I might have hit him. I, I don't know if I hit him with my heel or whatever, but I don't throw hook kicks in sparring anymore either. 
Because it's too hard to control? It, yeah, and guys can lean into it. Um, mm. I had broke a guy's orbital. It was Mike King. He was on the um, the show, the um, Ultimate Fighter. Ultimate Fighter, and uh, end up breaking his orbital with a hook kick. Yeah. After that, I'm that's such like, a oh. scary injury. It is. They had to go in behind your eye and fix it and yeah. put a plate back there. Ooh. Yeah, but I'm just like, what's ah. the the worst injury? Your knee, the left knee? I would say is my knee. Mm-hmm. Um, was is taking years off because of it. My hands took a year to recover. Really? Yeah. Vicente Luque and then December. The Vicente Luque was in the Jeff Neal fight, you broke it again? No, not the Jeff Neal, but it was a year later before I fought Jeff Oh, Neal. oh, okay. So it took me a year. Wow. Just not, even still today, I can't get this, this finger to go down. And it's painful. Like I wake up in the morning and my my fingers up here like this. Right. I mean, you can see this one. You know, Ian it's McCall. Sunk in. Yeah. Ian McCall, flyweight. He he can't. He can't make a close fist. that finger. No, he said he's broken his hand so many times, broken wow. his fingers. He makes a fist like this. Like there's no there's no closing it. Like aim for is, the eye, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know like that? literally. Yeah. Like his 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 fingers fuck forever. And I condition my hands. The first time I ever broke injured my hands. So what do you like, do to condition your hands? Maki. Really? Just yeah. punching things. What about so, like grip strength? I do grip. I do a lot of rice stuff. So huh. just rice, grip, more forearm stuff, you know? What about like grippers? Like uh, Not really not really grippers. No? I do a lot of uh, just uh, I'll do um, my strength and conditioning coach. Anytime I'm doing pull-ups or any pulling motion, I have wide grips that mm-hmm. I'm using. So it forces me to really have to use my, my grip to strengthen it up in order to be able to do the things I need to do with strength and conditioning. So I do that, but I don't. I haven't just sat there. I don't think I have time really to sit there. You do when you're and, driving. Yeah, I, I have I, those I, captains of crush. Really? Yeah, I have a 120 pound one. I just 120 pounds. Do this. Yeah, freak. I mean, look at your forearm. I can see you through your shirt. Yeah, but that makes such a big difference. I'm gonna have to get me one. I of those. believe in them so much. Yeah, I believe in hand strength so much. You have to have. Yeah, it. it's so for jujitsu. It's fucking so critical. Grips. But also just for protecting your hand, like yeah. having muscle around all the bones that holds it all in place yeah. you know i just think um it's one of those things where people overlook it but you could work it while you're doing other stuff yeah like you could drive in the car and just be sitting there like this you teaching classes sitting yeah. i do yeah. my shin condition while i'm teaching i'll just yeah. ding my shin. Bing, you know bing, bing, captains bing. of crush you ever see those grippers Cap- yeah they're the shit because they get real some. fucking heavy wow i think you can get see what you can get it up to I think you can get up to 150 pounds or more so i wonder more. who's i mean what professional arm wrestlers maybe do though I mean got to go up into that those guys are so weird you ever see that one guy he's got a, one giant forearm yes and the other arm's like normal tiny it's got to be who's had to been born that way right no there it, it is yeah, wow. they do them by numbers my dad used to have like a pair of those they go to 237 oh my up. god it goes Look really how, high <gasps> Oh my the, and God! They've like been around forever, right? Done this 365 pounds. I feel like these have been around. I've seen my dad use some of these, maybe in like back in the freaking early 90s, maybe. Could, could be. I don't know about I this. Know. This company. Yeah. This company. I, I've only. I've been using their stuff for years, though. Captains of Crush. They have. They're. If you scroll back up, you can take a look at them. You can see that's yeah. that's the shit that I use. I love them. Yeah, they it's go just, by numbers. That that uh, that 365 is their number four. It's called. See, and sc- like. You have to be certified, I think, to like. Oh, that's it hilarious to really? order it. Yeah, like it's not, so, not, not to order it, but like to show that you've done it because there's only a few people in the world have ever done it. Scroll up a little bit. So uh, I'm at. So it says 100 and 140. I definitely have 140, but yeah. I thought I had 122. I might have from a different company. Might be a different company. 
But I definitely have I have the 140 because I used to bring it to the comedy store and and, and uh, the bouncers would try to squeeze it. <laughs> so I'm like, ha ha. I feel I see like I, 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 for some reason when I get on stuff I go down these rabbit holes and one of these arm wrestling rabbit holes I was oh, just yeah. everything I could get to just <laughs> watch these guys do and how they train to do this stuff and it's it's all technique. It's, it's a, lot of, a lot of a lot of technique. technique. It's not actually pulling the hand down. It's or pushing the hand out. It's pulling. The dumbest what? shit on that Jake Paul fight was the slap fight. Oh my gosh. That How about Ric Flair? It was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, that's not dumb. Oh, okay. Well, you know, he was like the judge of the slap fight. Oh, that was great. He was the judge. Okay. Well, that's the Ric Flair is always great. Yeah. That's not the problem. The problem is a guy sitting there letting a guy slap him in the face. Like, that it, is how many so times crazy. you get knocked out, right? Did he, you see the Jake was it Jake Paul? Yeah. That was he this guy, I guess he had this guy for a hire. He he hired, I guess people hire him to slap him in the face. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a guy on Instagram. No, it was Logan Paul that did it. Slaps Logan for Paul. cash or some shit like that. But I know yeah. he got, he like fucked that guy up. Yeah, he knocked yeah. him out. Yeah, yeah. Talk about a guy who needs to go MMA. Wait, wait, wait who, Logan knocked the guy out? Yeah. Logan. Yeah. See, this guy lets people slap him in the face for money. He was, Logan was going to enter a, uh, a slap, slap fighting, fighting competition. Person. Right. So he, this guy, Put it out there. I'm maybe on Craigslist. I don't know. Slap me for however much money, and Logan slapped uh, him oh, okay. Logan and knocked his dude out. So that might have been all set up for that. Oh, might have been fake maybe, for oh, the video. No. Maybe for that video. I don't know. Maybe, but well, this, maybe set up for a video, or maybe oh. they just reenacted it with the video, like they made a conversation. Like this I'm, is what we're gonna do. Well, I'm. So this is the video. Okay. Or this is a, this is the oh, picture. Oh, I've seen right? this. Yeah, yeah. I saw that? this. Yeah, I saw this. So the guy said it was like set up or something. What is that? Oh, of course really? it's got set up, exposed. but you still got yeah. KO'd. Yeah. No, that was 100% he was legit. Done. Let's watch the video because there's oh. no way it was fake. That guy clearly got KO'd. You can hear Oh, look at this. Logan Paul, 100% fake. Shut up. <laughs> look at that face. Watch this. There's oh, not a chance that was fake. There's not a chance in he hell. He slaps this dude so yeah. hard. Logan's a big boy. Uh, yeah. Watch Hold this. Watch this. Listen to this. Oh! Oh, shit. Yo, catch him. Catch him. Catch him. That's not fake. Not at all. That's not fake. 100%. There's no way. When you... Here's here's a little tip, folks. He's out. When guys pretend they catch themselves when they fall. Yep. When you fall like that, you fucking face plant, you're out. You No one... No, it's just your instincts would save you. Yeah. You would, you would do this, like, oh, my God, he got or me. Or you would fall to your knees yeah. first. You know what I'm saying? But even what you wouldn't... Face plant. Yeah. When you your instincts are never gonna be, especially if you're not a stunt guy, you're yeah. not a guy who does this all the time. The way he went out, that guy was out. Not only that, the impact of that was crazy. Logan's a big fucking Dude. kid. Did you see him re a wrestle? For, uh, yeah, Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa. Yeah, he's fucking good. He's a good wrestler. Why box? You, yeah. you, you'd be you'd be more entertaining watching doing MMA than any than boxing. I think it's money. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money in those yeah. those. Crazy man, but he only boxed KSI. The other guy, who's a YouTube star, like they both were YouTube stars, and they boxed each other. Maybe KSI doesn't have a, a wrestling background. Yeah, which, but Jake apparently is the more talented boxer. That's what I hear. He, he always like talks. It. He always talks about fighting his brother or something. I don't know on interviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he knows he can fuck his brother up, but <laughs> Jake has some power. That's that's real power. Strength. I don't give a shit what anybody says. The way he stepped forward and cracked Askren like that. Oh yeah. That's real legit power. I felt so bad for. Obviously, I mean, he did it for the money. Come on, come on, Ben. You, I, I think he knew he was not going to go out there and win this fight. Well, Jake knew it too. You yeah. know, look, the guy's coming off of hip surgery. He had a hip replacement. Ben Askren did. He looked 
definitely looked like he wasn't in the best of shape. Yeah. You know, and it was never a striker. It was like it was never his thing. His thing was just like get close to you and grab you. I'm pretty sure he even trained. He, from what I hear, he didn't train striking before a fight. He just wrestled. That's so crazy. that's what I heard. That's so crazy. Yeah, he didn't even do any kind of striking training. He just wrestled. He just looked so much different physically than he yeah. did when he was in the Olympics. It's just so much different than when he was in the early stages of his MMA career mm -hmm. when he was fresh and young and healthy. He just looks like physically spent. Yeah, you know? he was done. Wrestling does that to you. It takes years off your life, I feel. Oh, yeah, man. Years. They're all beat. The punishment these guys go through. I mean, the everyday grind. Yeah, it's just, it's such a fucking crazy yeah. sport. I feel like I have to take a day off or day day or two off after wrestling training. I don't even, we don't even do live, I don't even do live wrestling. I don't really? even do live wrestling. Just you take More situational stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I may start in on a leg, try to finish it, mm -hmm. you know. We'll do drills where we're, you know, we're working the, you know, entering on a double or a single, things like that. But it's live stuff. It's just you're too prone to injury, man. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I think I wonder about guys who get really in love with wrestling and then they start developing all these injuries yeah. and then they have to kind of work around them. And even in sparring, like I, you know, we have an amateur and pro team. We all spar together. I'll spar kids who are 12 years old, you know, all the way up to elite pro fighters. And I, I spar everybody the same. There's there's no egos. There's no, you know, and that's where a lot of these other, you know, gyms kind of get in trouble with guys like that. You know, you get trying to crush each other. I, I wanted you, to, are you, do you real, are you real careful? Like when, especially when you're in camp with guys you train with, you, will you train with anybody? Or do you only train yeah. with guys that are like known to be calm yes. and keep their shit together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the earlier days we've had, we made some mistakes of just letting anybody come in and, um, you wind up in a fight. Yeah, and I've had to do that. You know, lay people out. Yeah, uh, we've got guys come in from other gyms, and they come in to spar with the general public of our school and try and take everybody out. Yeah, and, and of course you have those enforcers that you gotta mm -hmm. humble them up a little bit. But mm -hmm. you know, dads like Steven. I remember those days. It's I, crazy, and I hate doing it. I, I'm like dojo has those right. Those yeah. situations. Oh yeah, my dad was in a. I, I missed. I, I wish I was around for those days. Those dojo wars yeah. days. There was a time where my dad was a brown belt, and I guess his instructor was talking crap about some taekwondo school in the area. So uh, the instructor and one of their his best students came over to my dad's school, uh, where he trained at, and his instructor had just come off a knee surgery. My dad had no idea why they were there, so the instructor threw him under the bus. He's like, "I can't fight you, but he will." <laughs> like pointed at my dad. You know, my dad said he looked over and saw him pointing at me. But I was like, you know, hey. So, and you can tell these Taekwondo dudes, they were just like pissed, you know. just. And this was just, knee surgery in the 70s? Yeah. So they used like hammers and shit. Yeah. So this guy might, so my dad didn't come off of knee surgery, his instructor. Right. Did, so he couldn't fight. So he's like, but that guy will, will fight you. So my dad thought it was just a friendly sparring match. My dad asked the guy if he needed any gear. He's like, no, we don't use gear. And you can just tell in the guy's face, like, all right, this guy's going to try and you know, crush me. And um, so my dad, they're out there sparring. He said he knew it got real when the guy grabbed me by my headgear and headbutted me, like real oh hard, just headbutted Boom! And I was like, all right. Next thing you know, dad's still trying to take a lie, and the guy sidekicks him. And they had a stucco wall, right? Sidekick him, and he just kept sidekicking him into the wall until it, that, that stucco wall kind of just kind of broke a little, broke, caved in. Dad's like, all right. And he's like, I got to end this quick. And my dad had this, you know, crappy dip foam probably you know gear back they had in the 70s and 80s i don't know what they had 
And the guy came in with a side kick or a front kick, and my dad parried and hit him with a ridge hand. And I, we call him Papa Ridge Hand, you know, for one of these reasons. And knocked, cut the guy all the way across his face, knocked him out cold. And that what's what makes that that story funny was you have a small airport in Greenville, South Carolina. We're going through the airport, and one of the guys there, older fella, kind of a big dude, you know, jacked. He's like, oh yeah, well, you're Ray Thompson's kid, right? I'm like, yes, sir. You know, he's like, tell tell him blah blah blah. Says hello. I'm like, all right. So I went back to the karate school and I told my dad that what's his, you know, this guy said hello. He's like, oh man, you know. And dad told me that story, you know, uh, you know, years ago. And he's like, that was him. They're like, they're like best <laughs> friends now. He comes over to the school all the time. And wow. when it, the guy's face gets red and he's got like this little line on it. Oh wow. Yeah. From the scar. Yeah. But the guy's awesome. The guy's such a nice guy. They're like best Ridge buddies. hand is a crazy technique that you never see in MMA. No, my dad's. Want me to throw that ridge hand? Really? Yeah. You know who used longest. to talk about the ridge hand all the time? Charlie Murphy. There's a hilarious really? moment that there's actually a photograph of. Charlie Murphy and I did a show together, and Maurice Smith and Ivan Salivary are there, yeah. and uh, we're all having dinner. And Charlie Murphy, who is really good at karate, Charlie Murphy gets out. He's talking about the Chicago ridge hand. <laughs> like he's got this technique that he, you know Charlie was really Should good at karate. He named it Chicago he, ridge. He hand. was really good at throwing a ridge hand, and he was saying like, "How come you guys don't throw ridge hands in MMA?" And you know he's talking to Ivan Salivary and Maurice Smith. We're in Seattle, and they're both like, "What, what the fuck?" There it is, right there. What? Yeah. Why don't y'all throw this guy? So come that's on, Ivan Salivary to the right, and Maurice Smith is wow. right next to him in the white shirt. Heavy and, white and shirt. And he's talking about the Chicago Ridge hand. Look at Charlie. Oh. The thing is, it's like <laughs> look at his eyes. I know. <laughs> Charlie the, was the best. The Ridge hand, man. Oh man, it is. It is underestimated. It really is. Oh, yeah. Like it's, a, seen, it's a legit technique. And you don't really, I mean, my dad would hit dudes in the head with it. Okay, he, he'd condition his hand. If you don't condition your hands, I recommend not doing it. But, you know, the neck area, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. you'd knock dudes out. I mean, but, coming from up underneath, the guy's trying to shoot, you throw a Well, think hand. about how many guys have been KO'd on the ground by hammer fists, yeah. right? And then think, like, you can't really, it's hard to do To do that. a chop. Chop. But like this, not that hard. Right. It's you like throwing a hook. And sometimes guys get KO'd with a ridge hand accidentally, right? Because a guy will throw a hook with a straight arm and he'll catch him with, with the a, side of the hand with yeah. a closed fist and KO him. That happens all the time. I don't see why people don't do, I mean, you open hand slaps. Mm -hmm. Like using the palm. Right. Boom. I, I feel like when I hit a mitt, I hit harder with an open hand than I do a hook. Well, you know, Bryce Mitchell, you know, Thug Nasty? Yeah. Bryce Mitchell is a wicked jujitsu guy, awesome fighter. He actually sent me a message recently because I was talking about how good Trevor Whitmore's uh, Trevor Whitman's um, gloves are. You know, Trevor Whitman has that company uh, Onyx. Uh -huh. They make incredible gloves. His gloves are the shit, and he made a better MMA glove. His wow. MMA gloves are fantastic. And the UFC was doing something to try to work out a deal with Trevor to buy his gloves, but apparently it never came to fruition. Yeah. One of the things that I said, what I love about the glove is that it's curved constantly. So when your your hand goes in it, it's it, curved. It makes you have to kind of keep yes. the fist so you and can't. Right. In the UFC gloves, they kind of make your hand come open. But uh, Bryce was saying, you know what the problem with that is when you break your hand, he goes, I want to be able to still slap a guy. Yeah. And he goes, if it's constantly curved like that and then slapping is out of the question, like if you can't open it, 
But I well, think I guess you could still like, you can open it. Yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. I've had Trevor's gloves on. Gotcha. They, you can open them, but they naturally want to close your hand. So when you relax your hand, yeah. it all makes goes back yeah. to that. Yeah, when you relax your hand, your hands like this instead of the UFC gloves, which are kind of trying to extend your hand. Yeah, dudes are still going to get poked in the eye yeah. with that. I think that's true. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was just super. Impre- I'm super impressed with Bryce Mitchell too, man. That kid is something. He's something. His yeah. his jujitsu is off the chart, man. Yeah, we got. It was a Chase Hooper coming in it back in again, and that kid's a little wizard too. Nasty on the ground. He reminds me of uh, Ryan. He reminds me of Ryan Hall. Just looked like yeah. a little kid. And he's twenty one. Twenty mm-hmm. Twenty one in the UFC. He got kind of bummed out because I was talking about his striking in his last fight. Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, man, I was like, I like those guys. And they're shitting on me because me and DC were talking about striking. Yeah. But it's purely because. I don't want him to get hurt. Yeah. Because when I see him, I see the level of jiu-jitsu that he has is so high. It's so good. His ground game is so nasty. He's so good at controlling guys. But I worry about him at a young age taking on someone Those, who, who's nasty, Yeah, who's got really good striking. Out. It's just like the gap between is, you know, some guys, they're like jiu-jitsu's here and then their striking's here. It's like a little bit better, but his the gap is so big. His yeah. jiu-jitsu is so much better than his striking. I agree. And then and he's 145. I don't know how long he's going to be at 145 because he's still growing. He's so long. And he's tall. Man. He's like six one. Yeah. And I know he's got longer reach than I. I was like, I'm sitting there sparring. I was like, why? How are people touching you? They should never get in. They should never be getting in on you. He's like just that. learning. Yeah, he is. He's but still young and so green when it comes to the striking as well. Imagine if he's in there against like a real elite striker oh, yeah. See, who finds that chin, you know? And that's the thing. He needs to move up at a certain rate. I don't think he right. needs to be thrown out there. With you got to be careful with the UFC because they don't give a fuck. They don't. They're like, hey, Chase, we got to fight for you. Yeah. Hey, you know, next thing you know, they'll they'll try you. Yeah, look at with me. I mean, my first fight, you know, still learning the wrestling, and they throw me in with Matt Brown. But, but I wouldn't be. You're who I am. 57 and 0 as a kickboxer. Right. You were yeah. one of the elite strikers in the sport. Yeah, it's a different thing, man. Yeah, and he's yeah he's been doing jujitsu, but strictly jujitsu. I don't know how yeah. how long he's been doing the striking thing, but if he can use that. Especially the style that we have. Ryan's done very well with it. Yeah. You know, I didn't expect him to start throwing hook kicks out there. Crazy. Yeah, I'm like, All right, dude, let's go, man. He throws so many kicks. And yeah. he, and the, the thing is, he's not worried at all about you taking him down. Not at all. So he'll throw head kicks all day long. I mean, I know I'm physically stronger than this guy, Ryan. I know I'm more athletic than him. His jiu-jitsu is so There's good, nothing I can though. Do. So good. Just it's it's like levels of jiu-jitsu are so interesting because you see a guy who's a black belt who's really good, and then you see him roll with an elite black belt, and you're like, wow, yeah, what the fuck, man? That's crazy. It's like, and with him, it's like you know he's doing the things you're not supposed to do. Like when they, when you first start jiu-jitsu, you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to. Do that. He wants to turn your back. Mm-hmm. He's doing all of that. Yeah. And, and, He's doing everything you're not supposed to do and still finishing you. Well, one of the beautiful things about the sport is we haven't even begun to see what's possible. The yeah. elite of the elite of today will not be as good as the elite of the elite of tomorrow. No. They're getting better. And you, there's not a sport other than MMA where you can go to 1993 and then you go to 2021 and, and see th- that it's difference. unrecognizable. Yeah. It's crazy how much better guys are today. The day where you got those guys that are like, has the Izzy Adesanya striking, you got the yes. Chris Ryman wrestling, yes. and then you have the Ryan Hall jiu-jitsu, all in one. All in one, yeah. That's crazy. crazy. The thing is, I feel like in order to get to that level, you would have to start, maybe. Maybe you have to start getting into the, maybe fighting for the UFC later on. 
yes. like when I did. Because you, when you're 21, you're still learning, yeah. right? And I think that's one of the reasons why I've survived so long in this game because I had that time to develop. Yeah, you had so much timing and experience and so much – so much just combat sports experience where you were used to competing. Yeah. That's big. And also, look at Daniel Cormier, how good he did oh. in MMA. But it was also, how much time did he have in wrestling? Yeah. That's combat sport experience. It's, it might not be striking, but it's still combat sport experience. It's learning how to compete. So by the time he got into MMA, he was already dominating people. Yeah. I mean, when he dominated Josh Barnett as oh a heavyweight, I he picks him. up Josh Barnett and slams him, throws force? him around. And strike force. Won the heavyweight Grand Prix. I loved him in that, man. I still love DC. I love that guy. I but love the, him to death. The, and that's something that we, we, we try and do with our amateur fighters. And if they want to fight MMA, we want you to fight a few kickboxing fights first so you get used to the crowd. You get used to the, Good. the nerves. Yeah. You get used yeah. to, you know, you got some gems that just throw them out there. You know? It's not smart. It's not. You, you know, it's interesting the People difference between the way boxing handles contenders versus the way MMA does. Because, look, a guy like John Jones who fought – uh, Shogun for the title at 22 years old. It turned out John is one of the greatest athletes the sport's ever seen. Mm -hmm. Just turns out. But in boxing, they would have built him up slow before a title shot. Yeah. He would have, you know, unless he's a Mike Tyson who's just smoking everybody in front of him and then at finally. 18? Yeah, he gets to Trevor Burbick and they're like, yeah, he's ready. He's 20. You know, but he was a really unusual case. Right. But with boxing, generally you're given a guy who tests you a little bit, and then there's a guy who tests you a little more, and there's a guy who tests you a little more, mm -hmm. and they're like, let's see how he does with a guy who can move good. Let's see how he does with a guy who's an inside fighter. And the trainers and the managers would try to figure out your career and then ideally get you to the title as an undefeated prospect. Yeah. That's what they want. In That's MMA. You get a late call. You know, hey, Sean yeah. Shelby calls you up. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, we need you here, man. Let's Can go. Can you make 170 tomorrow? I think that's like in the when you're first starting in the UFC, that's how it was like, especially like for me. I feel like the fights they give you, you got you need to, you take, have to them. take them. You have to take them. And then once you get to the point to where like the the Jake Ellenberg and the Hendricks, after that, I was able to kind of make some kind of they, they gave me two or three fighters. All right, what do you think about these guys? And I can kind of choose, right? The Jake Ellenberger fight, I always wanted to ask you about this because Jake Ellenberger leading up to that fight was talking shit about spinning yes. techniques. Is that why you hit him with a wheel kick? You know what? I, I want to say yes. I really want to say yes, but it was one of those things where I was so, you know, when I'm out there, I don't think of anything. Uh, you know, it's just reaction. But I do hear my coaches and I hear my opponent's coaches. So it made it a little bit easier not having a, an audience. But my last fight, I, I tuned into both. Yeah. That had to be weird, right? Yeah, that was weird. That, but I, it was kind of easy at the same time. Like I, I could, they, were, they, were, they were saying things, hey, him him up. I could hear it. I could hear what you're saying right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, could you know, I know what you're going to do. I'm, all right, I'm ready. Right. You know? It was so weird. But uh, I mean, you didn't have a fight I'm tuned in. But my dad said spin. I knew exactly what wow. to do. Wow. He said, spin. Oh, you can hear it. Do you think spin. your dad said it because your dad wanted to get yeah. at him for 100%. talking shit about spinning? 100%. Because he was talking shit about spinning techniques. And karate, fancy. period. Yeah. Ha, karate. He was like karate. <laughs> he just laughed. But Man. you couldn't hit anybody more karate than that. Woo. You know? And more clean. And I hit him with it twice. Yeah. The first one was the neck. I knew he was going to protect that. So I went up a little higher and got him right in the temple. Yeah. That was yeah. wild. Yeah, I remember. Was it, I remember watching and 
looking at Chris Wyman jumps up. He had CJ, his young son, in his hand, just flailing him around. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and that was the weekend where uh, Conor McGregor fought Chad Mendes, I believe. Oh, wow. That was that Saturday. That was like International Fight Week, maybe. Oh, wow. He fought Chad Mendes on it? Saturday, and I fought on Sunday. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of those weird things. They 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 had a few of those nights where like they had fights fights on Friday night, fights on Saturday yeah. night. And how crazy is this? Usman was on the undercard. Was he? Yeah. Who was he fighting? Do you remember? It was the contender. Oh, not oh, contenders. The um, finals of the Ultimate yeah, Fighter. Ultimate yeah. Fighter. Mm. Yeah, I think Vicente Luque was on that, right? Did you? You know, I, obviously I don't remember, okay. but obviously you want to fight for the title. And you know, when you saw Masvidal getting another shot. Was it? Did that piss you off? Um, no, it just made sense. I mean, the hype, the guy, the hype. I mean, the, guy, the guys got around him is ridiculous, and uh, he took the fight on short notice. So I guess the UFC might he owed him a favor. He hasn't fought since. He hasn't. It was like yeah. back to back. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of fans were wanting me to fight him because I'm the only guy he hasn't fought in the top five. Um, but um, yeah, man, it's. I'm patient. What do you think you have to do to to get that to secure that title fight again? Because a lot of people kind of counted you out after you you had those two fights with Woodley, but then you worked your way back in, and then obviously the Pettis fight, mm -hmm. but then you worked your way back into contendership. And I think the Jeff Neal fight opened up a lot of people's eyes because a lot of people, me included, were really high on that, and I still am. And he's got a big fight coming up too. He right? does, uh, Neil Magny. That's right. That's a really good Neil fight. Magny. That's a really good fight. Yeah. Good Neil Magny's another guy that people like to look past for yeah. some strange reason. It's weird because he, it's like, and I can't really say anything because I've, you know, you know, got beat by Darren Till, got knocked out by a guy who I've been, I was beating, but uh, it's like a swing or miss for Jeff for uh, Neil Magny. Like he does very well against this dude. He's like a different fighter, but then I don't know if it's just the smaller grapplers because RDA submitted him right. Grapplers and he has Michael an issue Chiesa, with Maya, Damian, yeah, but he, and he, but he's a grappler, yeah. So, Michael just Chiesa. A, yeah. Michael Chiesa. How the fuck did that guy ever make 155 pounds? <laughs> I don't know. Whenever I he's give massive. that guy a hug, it's like hugging a door. Yeah. You're like, Jesus, He's such a bro. cool dude. I love he's that guy. He's so nice. I love that guy. He's, he's a great commentator, too. Yeah. Like when he does the breakdowns on the desk with Alan Joban, those guys are awesome. I love that the UFC does that, that they give fighters an opportunity to do stuff outside of just compete, mm -hmm. even while they're active, you know? I did a few things. I think it was for the Tyrant fight was one of them, when he, when he knocked out... Uh, Lawler, I was behind the desk. I was with uh, Cormier and I think Dominic Cruz and some of those guys. But um, I liked it. I had a lot of fun doing it. But these guys, those guys prepare, man. They do a lot of they do their, their studying. Yeah, he does a lot of studying. Yeah. And for me, like I would love, hey, where are you going to be? You need to do that more often. I was like, it's just too much work. It's a lot. Of I work. was winging it for real. I was just going out there, just all right. Here I am. Well, when we have a card like this weekend, I think there's 15 fights on the card Dang. this weekend. I got a lot. Watch a lot of fights, man. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. A lot of I fucking mean, people. Some of these people I never even heard of. I've yeah. never seen them fight. Well, a lot of them are debuts. Yeah. So you got to go and find something about them online. Find find footage online. Yeah, this will be the second time Chris has fought Uriah Hall. Oh, that's right. He fought him before the UFC. I think he knocked that knocked him out the same punch. Yeah, he knocked he hit him with a left with. hook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. It was crazy. Right. I, we were in Brazil doing a TV show. It was a labor, laboratorio da lucha. It was like a fight science thing, and we were. It was me versus a CrossFit guy, Chris Weidman versus a Brazilian Olympic wrestler, <laughs> and he had to wrestle. He was so pissed because he's out of shape, you know, and he had to actually wrestle these guys. <laughs> and um, but 
everybody, he was like, you think Justin Bieber walked in? People love Chris, love Chris Weidman for beating Anderson, for beating Anderson. Wow. They, 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 they were so pissed that uh, Anderson Silva was doing the, his whole shenanigans mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. They, they did not like him for that. Well, it was uh, such an unfortunate way to lose yeah. when Anderson had this dominant reign and to be like clowning Chris. And the way Chris set it up was so interesting too because Anderson would go left, right, left, right. So Chris throws a punch and then he throws a back fist. Yeah, it was like a... Yeah, so he already was going to the right. Yep. So he had to go to the left and he walks right into that left hook. Boom. Went nuts when that was. It's really happened. funny. I mean, I mean, it's not funny, but it's really interesting because a lot of people missed that. He threw the punch and he threw a back fist. Yeah. So Anderson was moving away from the back fist, and Chris lured him right into the left hook. And it, it, and it, it, for some reason, Chris doesn't. He's not the fat. Like when it, when you look at that punch, it doesn't look really fast. It just kind of like moles through his chin, his skull, and just just Crazy. takes him out. He didn't. I don't think he saw it coming. It no. was perfect. No. You know, and the, what was interesting is Anderson was fucking up Chris's legs. Yeah. He really was. And if he just stayed disciplined and fucked up his legs, I have a theory about that too, though. I think for some fighters, when they're that dominant for that long, I think the pressure is just overwhelming. And that's one of the things that Matt Hughes said when he lost to BJ Penn. When BJ tapped him out, he's like, you know, honestly, I'm relieved. Yeah. It was like, it's just like all these guys chasing after me all the time trying to get to the title and I was I was first of all I was like wow kudos to you in this moment of defeat for being so honest to say I mean and Glad one of the happened. greatest fighters of all time to be that guy and also be like look I'm I'm gonna be honest with you I'm happy I'm relieved yeah I mean that that pressure can be I don't see how Connor does it I don't see any of those guys do it at that level just the constant you know everybody just like this watching you everywhere mm -hmm. you go and yeah I mean I Everybody felt, training for you. Yeah, I felt that way, you know, coming up at the kickboxing, just being undefeated for so long. And when I got beat my bat, by Matt Brown, it was a relief. It really? was like, now I can just go out there and fight. I don't have to worry about not losing. Being just, undefeated yeah. constantly just and holding on to that zero. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, do you ever work with a mental coach or anything? I did for a little bit, but I felt like these guys were trying to put into my head that I was mentally weak. Really? I, I, that's how I felt. That's just me. I don't know. I don't know why. I feel like, like how so? Just the things that they were saying, hey, you know, what bothers you? I was like, nothing's bothering me. You know, stop saying <laughs> something's bothering me when nothing's bothering me. You don't want you to focus on this. I'm like, you know, I just like, you know, I've never been, I don't think, I, at least I don't think, like, I've never been a negative thinker. I've always thought positively. I always thought, like, I'm going to go out there and crush this dude. You know, I'm just going to work my behind off. And that's what gives me confidence going to a fight. Is preparation. Preparation, man. Knowing that I did everything I could to prepare for it. And if there's any doubts, then if there's any of those doubts out there, like, you know, I should have did this, I should have. Or I wasn't feeling good. This, I see guys at the top do this all the time. And that's why working through with champions, I guess, coming up, which is a bit, has been a privilege with GSP and Chris and these guys. They don't. If they they may have may feel a little bit of down, whatever. No, don't, they don't care what's bothering them at home. May feel a little bit of bumps and bruises, but they're still in the gym. There's always something you can do. Yeah, always. So it's just that mindset, man. I kind of I try to be as it's observant as possible. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. It's always loser mentality. It is. It is. You know, you see a lot of those guys. Who? So I, it was like a compilation somebody put out there after I, I lost to Pettis, 
and they showed a bunch of people up there crying and then me i'm just like yeah what's up man but it's you know <laughs> it's you can't go back and change it yeah you know, it is not, what it is yeah, right just go back just go back to the drawing board and get so, better max bless Holloway. yourself baby this is max Holloway shirt shout out <laughs> shout out to mac but that's what he always says it, it was it is it what, what it is, is. It is what it is. Yeah, life's and a garden. You got to no, dig it. Nobody's more relaxed and happy after oh, a loss man. than that guy. He just yeah. lets it go. Even when he gets robbed, he's like, it is what it is. And that, that's kind of how I felt with, uh, was it the Till fight? I, I, I felt like I won that fight. But, uh, you know, like I said, at the end, of it is what it is. I can go back to the drama. You were talking in that fight about those sidekicks to the knee. Yes. You don't like those fight, those well, kicks. I don't. I guess when you're out there fighting, anything can happen. You could you have the potential to really damage somebody. But I feel like that's just like a like somebody getting a heel hook and really cranking it and sparring. Like Paul right? Harris. Just right. just uh, a a dick move, you know. Yeah, I'm like okay, yeah, we're out here fight, fighting each other, but I'm seriously trying to injure you. I'm seriously trying to put you out of the game. I feel like if I went out there and started sidekicking with my knees, it would just be, I don't know. I couldn't do it. Really? Yeah. Do you remember the first fight with Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero? Yes. Yoel came out through side kicks to the knee and really fucked up Robert's knees. Mm -hmm. The second fight, Robert came out and fucked up Yoel's knees. knees. Did it the same way. Yeah. Came out and immediately opened up with those side kicks to the knees. John Jones is notorious for that. Who is he? <sighs> He's so Both good knees. at that. Yeah. He's so good at that. Dudes and are he's so out long, for a too. year. See, that's the thing. Like, I, yeah. At the end of the fight, I want you still standing. I want us to go have a, a beer and be cool. I wish there was something they could do about meniscus. Oh, man. Meniscus yes. and cartilage. Because it seems like when that shit blows out, Arthritis it's so hard to fix. Yeah. And then it, 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 it hinders your movements and sparring and training. So it changes the way you prepare, and it changes the way you think about moving and kicking. Mm-hmm. And so it makes you think, too, how crazy the human body is because there's not a, anything out there that could replace that the meniscus. What, other than resurfacing, you know, yeah, other than... Right, they, they but there's no material, and, like no rubber out there that could no. replace it, you know? No. So when it's gone, it's gone. It's gone, it's gone. I mean, what they do now is just they, they just completely remove the cartilage <sighs> and put this crazy synthetic material. Really? And they drill it into your kneecap, and it, that becomes your new knee surface. What? Yeah, and then you don't feel is it. it. That guy from the Highland Games, we've talked about him before. Do you remember the gentleman's name? He's a big fucking house of a man who won the Highlands Games and got his uh, knee replaced. Who told me about it? Kelly Starlet told me about it. I like your shirt, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. Matt Vincent. That's it. Matt Vincent. See if you can find uh, his Instagram. There's a video of him moving post-surgery doing like these you know highland games it's yeah. all the crazy shit where they they throw fucking cannonballs and stuff <laughs> <laughs> don't they don't they like toss yeah like big, big poles. poles yeah 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 all it's that like kind of scottish crazy games shit. yeah the highland games they call it oh but this guy matt vincent that's his name mm -hmm. matt vincent's a gorilla I mean, he's just fucking tank of a man so it's just it and was just a huge change yeah he blew his knee out and blew his acl out and kept training um what is that? What his knee used to look like? Yeah, and that's what it looks like now. Two years ago. Year yeah. So, so that's how Stop. fucked. That's how fucked his left knee is, or it might be his right knee. His right knee. You could tell there's no uh, gap between the knees, so it's what? bone on bone. So, but watch what he could do now. Watch this. Um, that's not the best video of it. What? Yeah. 
Uh, there's another, there's a great video of him doing some crazy shit. So you see him running on a treadmill. He can do everything now, basically, essentially. Like he's lost some weight, too. This is him. Uh, what year is this? What is this? No, and this was his right March. knee, you said? Go, go a little further than that. There's some videos of him moving really well. No, that's not it. That's him at the Highland Games with this stupid skirt on. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> bro. Yeah, he he did a lot of that uh, knees over toes stuff. Oh, so that's, a, yeah, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. But that's just to strengthen all the shit around the knee. But if you go a little further down, I'll tell you when I see it, is him... Uh, I feel like everybody's dabbled in MMA. Or yeah, boxing, kickboxing. everybody's doing a little something. Yeah. Well, it's because, you know, you, just that's the ultimate. Jesus yeah. Christ. I've talked to other athletes, man, and, you know, just talking to them, they're huge fans. It's like something they wish they could Go do. The, to this? No, no, no. Oh, oh that's me talking about Hey. Him, Scroll a little down. Yeah, I've talked about them several times. That right there, that one in the middle, you can see him moving really well. I mean, this is. That's a big boy, man. And this is with a fucking fake knee. I mean, all of this movement with a fake knee, that's crazy, right? That's all the spinning and stuff, yeah. Yeah, what does it say over there? It's been a long time. One of my goals the next year is get a through throw. It's been a long time. My goals to start throwing, but I'm able to move well enough, pain-free, teach people the script. That might be old. That might be an old video. I don't know if that's it. Anyway, there's some videos of him moving around on his Instagram page wow. that show how. Uh, so he his ACL apparently was completely fucked, and uh, he kept training and kept competing even with his fucked knee and just destroyed the inside of it, and then ultimately had to get it resurfaced. If you go to the Ready State, that's Kelly Starts page, and um, he's the author of the Supple Leopard, really smart strength and conditioning coach and f- guy who's a real expert in physiology. Blew his knee out skiing, yeah, and then uh, did his best to try to get it fixed and rehab it and all that jazz. But eventually wound up getting there's Kelly, and wound wound up getting it um, resurfaced, and uh, now he can do everything. It's just it's not what it used to be. Gotcha. That's but there's some videos of him doing stuff in there. If you scroll a little down, you can see some of the movements and stuff that he can do now. And he's only four months out. Of getting his uh, his shit resurfaced, so this is definitely something I need to be, be well, getting Kam- into for sure. Well, Kamaru Usman was saying that eventually he's going to have to do this. Yeah, his, I heard knees, his, knees, his are knees are pretty sh- fucked. But you would never tell while he's fighting. Nope. So this is him uh, doing rehab. This is him uh, re- rehabilitating his left knee, which was the one that was. It's those stabilizers, yep. right? So stabilizers that actually keep that yeah. knee in. And so this is a blown out fake knee, and he can go all the way down and do pistol squats on it what? and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, the inside of it was complete toast. Golly. Yeah, we live in and a, that going down and up—that's what know. gets it for me. For me, oh yeah, standing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I feel like it's grinding. Oh yeah, well, all the meniscus and everything gets smushed yeah. in there. You could go back to his uh, his page, so he can. Um, oh, he can go 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 back up up please. He's there's a video of him skiing where he talks about um, how well he can move now. I think that's oh. it. Is that it? I'm taking a guess. I don't know. I it think looked that's like an it. Ad it's snowy mountains. Yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> that's an ad for a thing. Mountains but there's, eh, whatever. It's it's so hard to go. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody posts too much. But uh, Man, he. I found it. Oh, you found it? Okay. So this is him. Yeah. Okay. There. After surgery. Oh, this man. is him lifting. Look, he's deadlifting a shit ton of weight. 
And then How you old is see this guy? him. Uh, he's in his forties, I believe. If I had to guess, sorry if I'm wrong. Still um, a young guy. But there's a video of him uh, skiing, and is it, I think it's in the beginning. Yeah, see, so he's mountain biking. Yeah, and right, right here, just let it play out. So he's doing this, and then he's skiing. So this is him with a fucked up fake knee. Wow. So the, the when they and he's doing jumps. So you can they resurface the knee, and it's just whatever that material is that yep. you know, fucking composite stuff. It fuses itself to the top of the knee, so it requires just like Aljamain's neck, your your bones have to sort of take to it and yeah. fuse it in, and then there's no meniscus anymore. So is that like so, a swing or miss if your body if your body takes to it or not? It's kind of like question. a cadaver. It's a good question. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I think I think they have it down now, and they're getting better at it all the time. Because it used to be once you had those things, you were stiff and you were never going to walk normal oh, wow. again, and you just you had a fake knee. Now the way they have it, you could actually compete in athletics. What? Yeah, it's getting interesting. I definitely something I need to be looking into for sure because I got. How long do you think you're gonna fight? I will do it as long as my body will let me. I mean, I haven't taken a ton of damage, you know, coming up in the in the even in kickboxing or you know, been knocked out once, been knocked down a few times though, but that was tiring. Tyron throw, throws missiles. <sighs> He had it perfectly timed too, that freaking left hand. And what was crazy, he hit me with like two in a row. Thank goodness I was blessed with a hard skull because I got back up. And then I was in that guillotine. Mm -hmm. And uh, learned to breathe out my butthole. That's <laughs> mm. an ancient Chinese secret. So you just have a thought in your head just as long as I can do it. Yeah. I mean, until or if my pop says I'm done. Yeah. You know, as, as, a, as a fighter, as a, I, I want to be, be able to compete. I do it for the fun of it. Money's just a bonus. I've been fighting for since I was 15 years old, and uh, I just love to compete. So wh what's next for you right now? Uh, Burns. That's right. When is that? July 10th. Interesting. And yeah. they just announced that, right? Yeah. I uh, Yeah, I've got 12 That's a weeks. big fight. Yeah. That's a big fight. Yeah. I'm you know, excited. And Gilbert, this would be his first fight coming off of uh, Usman. Yeah, and you know he's going to be on point he's gonna mm -hmm. want to prove a point so i know i'm gonna be getting the best burns and he's that's a, i wouldn't have it any other way i'm sure you wouldn't <sighs> he's another guy that i'm like how the fuck did you ever make 155 pounds yeah he's he, he's not that tall but he's thick boy. his neck he's is as thick. wide as my shoulders I know. he's got that mike tyson neck yeah. like 25 inch around neck man i feel like in that fight with usman he just like had an adrenaline dump and yeah. i think there was like there was moments where he had so much success I think maybe he just got a little excited. Yeah, early, yeah, earlier on, it looked like he had rocked him. He did he rock him. He, he did, dropped so him. he did, yeah. Okay, he put his hands on them. I remember yeah, that. he dropped him. And then that's what was cool. That's what that experience and being a champ. Mm -hmm. Like, he stayed composed. Usman's mind <sighs> is Fort Knox. I love it. You ain't getting in there. I love it. I mean, he may lose someday. He's lost yeah. before. He, got, he lost his pro debut. Really? Yeah, yeah he got strangled. What? Yeah. Who did he fight? Do you remember? Uh, I do not know. Okay. Um, go to uh, Kamaru Usman's uh, uh, Wikipedia. I wonder if he wrestled himself into a submission. Sometimes wrestlers do that. They he got caught in a rear naked. Down. Some oh, guy gosh, put him in a rear naked. And he really didn't understand jiu-jitsu back yeah. then. And uh, got tapped. Oh, second fight. I'm sorry. Okay. Jose Caceres. Yeah, submission rear like naked choke guy. in CFA 11. Yeah, Jose Caceres. <laughs> yeah. That's about as, uh, as Jose, right? That's about yeah, yeah. as... Brazilian sounding a name is pop. That's the only loss in his wow. entire career. Golly, and then you crazy. scroll all the way up. Look at it's that. all just dominance. Uh. You know? Pretty fucking I would interesting. Love, uh, yeah. So 
Maz Vidal and then Gilbert. But the, I think the Colby Covington fight was probably the most satisfying for him. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think it was most satisfying for a lot of people. <laughs> Not for Colby. No. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, I hear Colby's a really nice guy. He is a nice he, guy. He is great. Yeah, he's, I'm hanging out with him I've at the comedy never, store. I've never, never met him before. Do you uh, know the story? Person? No. The story's interesting. This is what happened. They had him scheduled to be cut, and he was about to fight Damian Maya. And they told him, listen, we, your style sucks. We don't like, you know, I don't know who said it to him. Yeah. I don't know what the words were, but essentially what he said to me is they, they told me you're boring, and we're going to cut you even if you win. And he's like, Fuck. And so, because he was a, a wrestler, and he was, you know, had kind of a safety first style, and yeah. he was really good at grinding and incredible gas tank, and never did any of this shit before, right? His whole fight before that was just like, I'm gonna fight my best, I'm gonna train hard, I'm gonna do my best, and then he is in Brazil with Damian Maya, and he starts talking mad shit. And he starts, fuck you, you fucking filthy animals. I just beat your best guy. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> They're going crazy. And he talks mad shit. He beats Damian Maya. And then the next thing you know, the UFC's like, okay, what's next? Wow. And then, you know, he's like, okay, I got a character now. Wow. And then he starts wearing the fucking MAGA hat. Yeah. And he brings girls around for all these photo shoots. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, you know, he's out there. Meanwhile... The guy drinks nothing but water, yeah. trains like a fucking animal, you know? I mean, he's he doesn't party at all. I mean, that guy is super dedicated. He's good friends with my friend Cam Haynes, who's a insane ultramarathon runner slash yeah. bow hunter, like one of the most disciplined guys I've ever met. He trains with Colby. Like Colby trains with this fucking animal and does these runs with them and mountain runs. He says the kid is in incredible shape. Wow. He's like, he's super dedicated. And he eats clean, 24-7, 365, really? fully dedicated, no partying. Wow. I mean, he, all he cares about is fighting and yeah. winning. That's all he cares about. I've, he doesn't never, heard, get, I've never heard this story. Yeah. I have no idea. That story, his character was because of desperation. He created that character. When Good you talk to him, him in real life, he's not like that at all. Yeah. He's a wrestling heel. Like, he really is like Ric Flair or like some wrestling guy. But what meanwhile, everybody that, well, goes crazy. With that situation, he almost got in a fight with somebody outside of one of the hotels. It was Verdum. I guess because he called oh. him the Filthy Animals, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Verdum. Well, okay, that's Verdum is well, a proud Brazilian. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. Brazil's doing that. filled with very proud people. 100%. They love Brazil. You know, and <laughs> they don't like you disrespecting Brazil. And yeah. Look, he fucked up. I was wondering. I was like, but he didn't he hit him in the head with a boomerang or yeah, something? Yeah, he threw a boomerang at him. And then, and then, <laughs> who was it? Uh, somebody wore a boomerang shirt. I think it was Usman. Oh, I think that's Usman hilarious. wore a boomerang shirt. Yeah. I guess in one of the press conferences. Listen, Fabricio Verdum is an enormous man. He's huge. He's also the first guy to ever beat Fedor. So just I remember that. Stay the fuck Strike away force, from right? him. Yeah, yeah, caught him in a triangle. Golly. Yeah. What is Fedor doing nowadays? Still fighting, unfortunately. What? Yeah. In Russia? No, in Bellator. Yeah. Ryan, he still fights in Bellator. Ryan Bader KO'd him in the first round. Ryan Bader caught him with a left hook in the first round. Ryan went like fake for a takedown and came up with a left hook and clipped him and knocked him out. You never saw that? Uh. See, pull up that. Because Ryan Bader has reinvented himself as a heavyweight and wow. he's the heavyweight champion of Bellator. Bader is the heavyweight champ of Bellator. Ryan Bader ben, is a beast as a heavyweight. I don't watch fights. He was. That's incredible. I don't watch, watch this. fights. Oh! Watch this. Oh, what? Look at that. Faked a what? takedown. 
like we, like he was going down to the knee and clipped him perfectly on Bro, the chin with massive. the left he was massive. He just looks like he didn't Oh, he's didn't... huge. Yeah. Bellator's drug test is a questionnaire. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Look at this yeah. dude's neck, man. Yeah. No, he's a tank. It's the thing, man. Like, well, it's uh, also, he doesn't have to cut any weight. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, this is like, it's just his so much walk around weight, you know. But he lost a light heavyweight title. He had the light heavyweight title of Bellator as well. And he, he was a two-division champ. He fought a... Uh, uh, Nemkov. Yeah, okay. Nemkov's a beast. <laughs> Nemkov just beat Phil Davis, too. I feel like if you have a name like that, like... Nemkov's legit. Nemkov's very legit. There's a few guys over in Bellator that I believe can hang with anybody in the world. Yeah. Douglas Lima is the biggest one. Oh, Douglas Lima. Douglas that Lima, in my savage. opinion. And then Musasi at 185 is, in my opinion, one of the best fighters on planet Earth. Yeah. But Douglas savage. Lima is scary, dude. one of the scariest leg kickers I've ever seen. Man, that one, I saw a meme when he knocked out Michael Page Venom. Oh, my God. He had Mjolnir come in, yes. and he grabs it by his hands, and he just, he just KOs him. Oh, well, my God. He was gosh. the first guy to have any success against Venom. You know, yeah. Venom is so slick. And, and Venom so looked like he staggered him early, mm -hmm. and then he comes back and just, like, kicks the crap out of that. Well, he kicked him low and dropped him like he wobbled, like he went down, and then he caught him with that fucking punch yeah, on the way he was down. coming up. Yeah, brilliant. That was awesome. Yeah, he, dude, there's a few of those guys over there. Pitbull. Yeah, Patricky Pitbull. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think he's uh, as good as anybody on the fucking planet. What do you think or about Mighty Mouse Pitbull. losing for the first time? Or Patricio Pitbull. Which one is? Or, it's Patricio. Patricky's the pa brother, pa right? Patri yeah, Patricio's the the really good one mm -hmm. who's two division champion. Crazy Mighty Mouse losing for the first time. Well, over, over there. Yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah, in one. Now, how are those and by uh, KO? First time by KO. Because some I of think. those dudes are are. Yes. Yeah, man. He, that guy who knocked out Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Natsukian, Na Nastyukian. How do you say his name? Nastyukin. It's like nasty is in his name. It's like Just call his him name nasty. Nastyukin. Nastyukin. Yeah. He's a fucking animal. Yeah, he's scary. Yeah, they got some great strike. They have Giorgio Petrosian yeah, over yeah. there. You know John Wayne Parr is fighting tonight. T what? John Wayne Parr is fighting Nikki Holskin on tonight. A on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. On on TNT. This is tomorrow, so if you're listening to this, sorry, fuckers. We'll <laughs> <laughs> air this tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, John Wayne Parr is wow. fighting Nikki Holtzkin tonight. Yeah. Man. On TNT. One championship is now on TNT. Shout out to my man, Michael Chiavello. Big Mike Mike. I love that dude. Yeah. He's fucking great, you know. The big kaboosh! I love that I love guy. when he says yeah, that. Yeah, man. <laughs> so he commentated in one of my brother's fights when he fought for uh, Legacy, I think it was. He calls him the bean pole. He nah. called my brother the bean pole. <laughs> the bean pole. Yeah. yeah. He fought. My brother Evan fought MMA before I did. Really? He fought at 185. Yeah. How many brothers and sisters you got to I fight? Uh, it was me. Well, both all the boys did. And How many sister. boys? There's three. Now, all of them. And fight. I'm I'm the oldest, but I'm the runt. Really? I'm the run of the group, yeah. Wow. And the one, my brother Evan fought at 185. He was probably 225 now, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, the baby, Tony, he's about 6'2", about 285, played college football. One point Jesus. he was over 300 pounds. Jesus. But he, can, he has more talent than I will ever have. Really? And I just, he just didn't have a competitive bone in his body. Wow. And, and, and What does he do? Teaches at the school. Wow. Yeah, teens program. How old is he? He's just turned 30. Maybe he can fire back up again. I, after I've been trying this. to. I'm try, I'm trying to, man. Would he be, call would him he be light team. heavyweight or a heavyweight? No, he he would not be heavyweight. I mean, light those dudes are heavyweight. Yeah, two hundred five for sure. But uh, those guys at heavyweight are just on another level. Sweet tea. What do you think? Tea. Come on, sweet tea. What do you think, sweet tea? <laughs> 
But, you know, the guy comes off the couch and just waxes dudes. You know, I feel like I'm a Sparta day. And just, no pressure, maybe. Maybe. You know? I don't know. But, he just, he, but there's a savagery about him, too. Like, you hit him mm. hard, he's coming after you. There's some guys that just, they're not interested in competition. I know. They That's just, why I feel like the best fighters in the world, you'll probably never see them. Never some see of them. them. I mean, we all know guys in the gym that, for whatever reason, dominate people in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then you never see them compete. They no. just—they're not interested in whatever it is. The, the, maybe they wanted to do with the pressure or the yeah. nerves, and I know maybe that. they have other interests. They just happen yeah. to be super talented. Because yeah. sometimes, just because someone's really talented at something, doesn't mean they want to do it for a living. Right. I've I've seen guys like that before in the gym that were like you you watch them roll and you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, how good is this guy? And you're like, dude, he's as good as anybody. He just doesn't want to compete. Right. Donaher told me there's a bunch of guys like that that were well, training at Henzo's. I feel like if you. You have to be that way to train at Enzo's, man. You just be <laughs> trashed on. You got to be yeah. a savage over there. Well, that's a perfect example of like a, a real shark tank where yeah. there's so many sharks there that you just the level, because like, you really rise to the level of your training partners, you in, especially in jiu-jitsu in those environments. Yeah. If you you hear a guy, like a guy trains at Marcelo Garcia, his gym, you're like, oh. Or a guy trains at John Jacques Machado's gym, you're like, oh. Like there's, there's gyms where you hear about people and you go, oh, Jesus. Like you have to be good, and Henzo, in my opinion, is like, like if you hear like some guy got a a black belt from Hickson, you go whoa, like there's yeah. you know there's levels yeah, this to it, yeah, you know. That's Jean Jacques, man. I haven't seen him in a while. That's my he, man. I, I was in what 2005. I was up at the Abu Dhabi. Um, he was going against some heavyweight. It was a super fight, and the guy just laid on him the whole time. Called, Rico. Yes. Rico Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. No, no, no. Dean Lister. Dean Lister. That's, that's right. right. That's right. That's right. I think GSP competed there, too. He did. And got submitted. Uh, yes, he did. GSP? He did. I'm trying to remember who submitted him. <sighs> the reason why I said Marcelo Garcia, because Marcelo Garcia, or Rico Rodriguez, Marcelo Garcia submitted Rico Rodriguez. Wow. He got him in a heel hook. And Marcelo was there, and he... He was just crushing people, but then he got, who was it? He was fighting uh, the open division, and he had somebody's back, and he jumps up and just gets Rico Rodriguez. That was him. And then he tapped he him, wow. tapped him with a, with a heel hook. After mm. that, and everybody booed that dude. I'm yeah, because Marcelo was on his back, yeah. and Rico, Rico's like two sixty. That was like a D move yeah. right there. Yeah, just jumps up, lands, and it was uh, Jacare and um, Roger Gracie. I'm trying to remember right? who tapped GSP. But the guy was fucking good. Is this it? No, Rio this Santos. Is... Oh, really? Rio Santos. Yes, 2005. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, he got him in an armbar. Yeah, I was there. It was a flying one, flying yes. armbar. That was there in LA, is. right? Whoop. Yep. Caught him quick. And the good thing about GSP, man, he put himself. He would bring people oh, in. Yeah, he would man. go train with the best guys. Watching him roll with, uh, you know, Hodger Gracie. Roger Gracie, mm-hmm. even uh, even who was it? I was up there. I was watching Roger Gracie and uh, um, oh, what freaking what's his name? I was just talking about him. Brain fart. What does he look like? Uh, I was helping <laughs> to get ready for Leo Tomichita. Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans. Lord. Oh, okay. Those guys were going at it. Yeah. At it. Savage man. They were just picking up and slamming. I mean, it was like the craziest scrambles ever. And I don't know, I think Roger was going kind of like this, and Rashad, with that wrestle mentality, was 100. Mm. That was fun. That was yeah. fun to watch. I was like, no, I'm not stepping out there. <coughs> not stepping out there. There's it's been a so- few gyms I've, I've went. I went to ATT one time. 
before the Matt Brown fight, and I was getting to go out there and spar, and I saw Hector Lombard out there just wailing on dudes. He's like, like I think he like he was sparring some guy small and then just dropped him. I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna pack my stuff up. I'm just gonna leave. I'll see y'all later. Hector's kind of famous for that. Yeah, for being right really, here. really hard in the gym. I mean, he's. He comes from that old school Cuban yeah. mentality. There's no soft sparring. <laughs> There's none of that. There's no light sparring here. Mm. You know, and that gym, ATT, I mean, you want to talk about an incredible gym. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dan Lambert, shout out to that guy. That guy poured millions of dollars into that gym before he ever saw a penny back. Really? Yeah, and they Jeez. built that whole new gym that they're at now with the dormitories and an incredible space. God. He built that, built the whole building, bought land, put up the building just because he loves the sport. Good for him. That's I mean, he's awesome. he's made his money outside of that. He's a businessman. Yeah. Made his money completely outside of MMA, and just but just loves it. Just loves say, hey, it. Here you go, guys. Loves it. Loves it. Yeah. I need one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, brother. I can't wait to see your fight with Gilbert, and uh, I'm a big Thank fan. You. Thank and you. And I'm bro. glad we finally did this. Bro, Are you we, kidding we've me? been talking for three hours and twenty minutes. Are you kidding me? I felt like we just sat down. No. How long are we doing it? Hmm? Three right. twenty. Yeah, what? Three. Yeah. Three hours and twenty minutes. I feel like there's more to talk about. What are we doing? Why, why are we stopping? <laughs> what else do you want to talk about? You good? I'm, I, hey, no. Good? I'm, right. so I'm, on your, I'm on your time, baby. Thanks, brother. Appreciate hey, you, man. Thank That's you very right. much. Thank you, brother. Bye, everybody. See you.